and UC basketball for about 15 or 20 minutes or so. And then at 11.30, he wouldn't miss it, it's Tracy Jones. But this is Off the Bench with Tom Brenneman. And we come your way every Monday through Friday, 10 to 12. P. That is right, Reed. 10 to 12 every Monday through Friday. You can find us on YouTube here at Chatterbox Sports. It is not streaming on Facebook anymore. It is right here on YouTube. It is also in podcast form. This is the seventh straight month that Tom's podcast numbers have gone up. You know what that is, fellas? That is consistent growth. That is what Tom is putting out there. Seven straight months that this podcast has grown. And it's thanks to all of you that are watching right now. So we appreciate that. And we're going to keep that going. Chatterbox Reds also in podcast form. Everything there that you can find on Spotify, Apple, wherever you get your podcasts. All right, let's get right into it. The Reds, they dropped a bummer game last night, 10-3. to And that's one of those games, as we were talking about on Chatterbox Reds after the game, Trace and Nick Kirby. It's one of those games that you just write off. The the Reds were outscored, as I said, 10-3 to in the entire game. But you look at how the game was split up. There was a rain delay in there. Baltimore did not score in the first inning of the game. And then from there, they scored seven runs over the next four innings. It was one nothing Cincinnati. A run in the top of the first inning. And then after that, pretty quiet. Two more runs in the sixth inning. And it was a Spencer Steer home run. A Spencer Steer two-run homer. And at that point, it was 7-3. You're kind of thinking, okay, the Reds are hanging around. I think that home run was with one out. And you're thinking to yourself, okay, maybe the Reds are hanging around here. Not to be. We'll get more into that game here in just a few minutes. We'll get everybody's thoughts on that one uh, as this show goes on. Reds, one more game in Baltimore tonight. Actually, the game two of their series is tonight. shouldn't say one more because they have a couple more out there in Baltimore. It's Andrew Abbott, though, tonight looking to snap this losing skid. And as Elliot pointed out to me and to all of us last week, every winning streak by the Reds this year has been met with a losing streak. You kind of talk about how basketball is a game of runs. Well, baseball now in this season, in the course of this year for the Cincinnati Reds, it's become a season of streaks. And right now, the Reds on a three-game skid after that 12-game winning streak. Hey, still 12-3 and in their last 15 games. But the Reds did drop out of first place, now a half game behind the Milwaukee Brewers in the NL Central. Andrew Abbott going for the Red Legs tonight. Him and his 3-0 record with a 1.14 ERA. And then Tyler Wells on the other side for the Orioles. 6-3 record, a 3-2-2 ERA for Tyler Wells. Elsewhere around uh, Major League Baseball, Elliot yesterday gave out his Z-Brazilianaires. And to peel back the curtain a little bit on the Z-Brazilianaires, he went with the Seattle Mariners. No, you went... Yeah, you did, you right. did go with the Mariners. Mariners. Went with the Mariners and with the Cincinnati Reds. Well, one of those hit. The Brazilianaires not off to the best start this week. But here is how the Seattle Mariners won their game last night. The one, two. Strike three called. If you say so. And the Mariners win it. Well, that's my guy Aaron Goldsmith with the if you say so, the Mariners win it. 
What a strike three call, Elliot, and what a throw on that bat. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I, th- the debate for umpires being replaced by robo-umps, that debate is, is heavily favoring the side of the robo-umps every day. I mean, you ending a game on that is so bad. The Reds, I remember, the, so the day game the Reds played, I think it was the Dodgers, right? Yeah. Yep. It was uh, the, the ball that was six inches up on, on, on Maley and then eight inches up on Friedel. I mean, the umpires are, are taking a <laughs> – they're not doing good, man. The umpires are just being horrible right now in the MLB. I don't know how you fix it because I do think a, a large part of the MLB is, like, the nostalgia of having real umpires. But it's not good. The replay system's broken. We got umpires missing calls like that. It's bad, Paul. Do you remember back? I think it was MVP 2005, the game that everybody loved. I think it was MVP 05. I don't remember if that was the game or not. It doesn't matter. There was an old baseball game that you would play, and you could go into the settings, and I've never understood why you would do this, but you could go into the settings, and you could flip it on a slider so that the umpires could miss calls. So, Mm -hmm. like, every third or fourth call, it got it wrong. Even though it's a video game, they still got it wrong. Why would you ever? Did anybody play with that setting on? I didn't. That's not I even did. a they switch do, anymore. They, they do just the, miss calls in the show. They do that in the show. <laughs> oh, well, really? you could, there's a slider for it. Oh, there used to be a slider. Default for it. is they miss calls though. Yeah, they. Well, I I like it ever since they have uh, introduced replay in the show. They get calls wrong on purpose just to so you can have the element of replay in the that. game, and it's like. Listen, this is a video game. I want it to be as accurate as possible. Like, I want everything to be as accurate as possible, but we are humans, so we get things wrong. It's frustrating. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. But the human element goes both ways. That's, I think that's why people like it. It's because if you're going to miss a call over for them, you're going to probably miss a call for us. It just goes both ways. So I think it benefits both teams. But at the end of the day, it's just you can't have it anymore. When we know if it's a strike or a ball, you just can't have it. So here's my question. The strike and ball, the, the, you know, balls and strikes being called by the home plate umpire, that's one thing. How are we going to do the base pass when you talk about robo-umps? Because you still have to have the umpire there to make the call. If you watch the, you know, the, the AAA games, the International League, or whatever it might be, the, the games that already have the robo-umps, you still have the umpire behind the plate that has an AirPod in their ear that then makes the call. Because it's always a funny scene when the batter turns around to react to the umpire and scream at the umpire, and then the umpire just stands there and puts his hands up like, "Hey, man, what do you want me to do? <laughs> you know, I got, I got no, yeah. I got no jurisdiction here over this call. It doesn't matter. I just got a thing in my ear that's telling me whether this is a ball or a strike or not. So, what are we doing about the base pass? Is that just?" The, the umpire, because you still have to have umpires on the field. Somebody has to right make the calls. Somebody has to make the calls to then be able to replay. Am I missing a link on this robo? Everybody screams for robo umps. Yeah. Everybody just robo umps. But what's the logistics behind? It? I've never well, the 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 thing that I don't understand is for like called strike threes. Do the umpires? I I really haven't watched a game with robo umps. Yeah. Do they mime the whole thing? Like, do they ring them up still, or do they just like that's strike three? Because, like, it, it's I've, kind of a sham at that point. Yeah, I've watched, I've watched many games with Robo-Umps. I don't, I don't even remember. Like, I, that's, right. I don't know. I can't even picture it. I don't know. But I, it, it is a very weird thing because the batters get really flustered when the umpire – because there's, like, a half-second delay. 
because the call has to come down through the AirPod yes. to the field. So there's like a half second delay, and then the umpire makes the call. But a lot of times, it's one of those things where you might see that the ball breaks over the zone and it might catch the front side of the plate or it might catch one corner it's of the zone and then it, it ends yeah. up way outside. Like there are flaws to the system that they are fixing to figure out how best to work this new automated strike zone and everything. But the technology is there, just like there's technology to figure out whether a touchdown is a touchdown or not. Right. Yeah, Evan Evermar. Sorry if I pronounced your name wrong, but uh, Evan, yes. as we so. Your biggest fan. I like Evan. Um, he said that there's no, there's human umpires on the base pass. They don't do any robot. It would just yeah. be replay, the replay system. Why do people always say that the replay system is broken? I don't get that. Because I, I watching even, the game, I very rarely disagree with like the it. replay system. Yeah, yeah I think it's great. It relatively quickly and get the calls right. I am a, I am a proponent of a time limit on replays. I, 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 Why? I, I do think... Get the call right. I, yeah, I don't know. I think if you're getting down into like the nitty gritty of it, and you're prop, if it, if you're sitting there for three to four to five minutes on the call, and you still can't figure it out, it's probably going to just end up that it was call stands anyway. So just eliminate those three minutes, and everybody's sitting around. I don't know. I've I I am a proponent of a time limit on it, hmm. but maybe that also comes from me being an absurdly large college basketball fan where yeah, I, every yeah. game gets slow. You don't you the the major league game does not get slowed down by replay as much. That's what we're talking about here, so I probably should keep my thoughts more centered on baseball. But when I'm watching basketball and in the last two minutes we got the referee going over because the ball just nicked off of somebody's hand at the last second and they're taking a five minute replay. Let's just call it a ninety second cap and move on. Replay's worse in I would say almost every other sport than it is in baseball. Yeah. Even replaying the NFL, you get the just excruciatingly long breaks. Basketball, like you said, you're nitpicking fingernails on an out-of-bounds call. Yeah. Baseball is pretty good. They, they're they're yeah. pretty quick about it consistently. Yeah, baseball baseball is pretty good. Well, I guess, yeah, when was the last time you were at a baseball game and you felt like this game was, you know, slowed down to a large extent because of a terrible replay situation? Yeah. Well, I just – putting on the point that Trey yeah. said he said they they hide behind the initial call too often in baseball in what sport do they not hide behind the initial call every time that you're watching a football game and they go to replay what is the first thing the analyst says now you got to remember there's got to be conclusive evidence to overturn the call same thing for always they always stand behind the the initial call more often than not if it's too close yeah you go with what was originally thought yeah it, it's you got to have the, the, the replay's got to be definitive. What are the most used phrases in broadcasting? That's most, up there. Most overused phrases in broadcasting. Don't need a two or don't need a three here. That's what I was going to say. That was my next one. If you were ever listening to a basketball game, and I promise I'm not going to derail this whole show with college basketball talk, I could. You all know that. I could, but I won't. But if you're ever watching a basketball game, and in particular a college basketball game, but Van Gundy does this too in the NBA. And they say, you don't need a three. You can just get a quick two. 100% of the time, without fail, you need a three in that situation. 100% of the time, in that situation, you need a three. There's just no... So, uh, uh, Pete Gillen, former Xavier coach, now CBS Sports Network broadcaster, is infamous for that. If they are down four with like 15 seconds left, Pete is all over a quick two. 
Sometimes you just need that three. Sometimes you need it. I agree. I agree. I think the other one is uh, you, don't, you don't have to foul here. You don't have to foul here when there's like 10 seconds left. Yeah. Or, or like there's, it's like there's a second difference between the shot clock. Don't need to foul here. But actually you kind of do, right? Yeah. AJ Worst pointing out plays the game the right way. High motor. Yep. I mean, to be honest, now we're just describing the white athlete. I was going to say, if, if there's, if there's yeah. a scrappy white basketball player, he, play, he, he plays hard. The classic Adam Thielen description. Yeah, the, right. yes, yes, exactly right. Uh, okay, but before we move on, so I, again, we do, have, we do have some news at 1030, uh, some fun news on, on uh, some s- local sports coverage, so stick around for that. That's coming up at 1030. Um, but I have uh, – Oh, never mind. This is lame. This is lame. I was going to react to my peanut decision live yeah. on oh. the air. It's lame. It was just a follow-up note. Oh. I got a note. <laughs> I got a note. So I got the results last night, but they didn't. They didn't enter the uh, the the test for the peanuts. They entered seafood, and I'm not not allergic to seafood, so nice. I can big I can time. have I can have a shrimp cocktail. Congrats, yeah, that's big. big. That's Congrats, big. Paul. Get you some scallops. Yeah. Scallops. Some crab. Yeah. Eat some good. Let's get weird for lunch today. Let's get weird. Let's go yeah. get sushi. Let's go get some raw tuna. Nah, I don't know if I need to dive in. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if I need <laughs> yeah. to dive in head first. I'm, I'm going to the beach next week. My cousin's getting married uh, out in New Jersey next week. So I'm, I'm going to be out there uh, next week for the 4th of July. And I am – they are big seafood eaters. So maybe – Seafood's my favorite kind of food. Yeah, maybe seafood you eat it. No, like seriously. See, oh, I thought that was your, I thought that was your oh, was your like, follow up. Oh, it was a bit. Yeah, <laughs> I thought that's what we were doing there. I thought that's what we were doing there. Keep me on my toes, even when I'm up here. Uh, Casey, you want to? Do we want to do the uh, immaculate grid now, or do we want to do this after? Do we think this will take less than 15 minutes? Yeah. Okay, fire it up now, Casey. All right. If you guys don't know what this is, immaculate grid, it's gaining popularity on Twitter. You've got to essentially, it's a Sudoku. It's a baseball Sudoku. You got to, if a Kansas City Royal and a Boston Red Sox, you got to get a player that played for both teams and it's got to fit on both sides of the grid. Anyone want to knock this off or do you just want me to? Uh, well, <laughs> yeah, that's a good. Reed, do you want to cook? I can get one. Can I get one? Yeah. Go let's let's go. go. Can we go around the room? Hey, let's go around the let's room. Let's go around the room. Let's start with you, Elliot. All right. So, Boston, Kansas City. I know this one. Uh, hometown hero, Andrew Benatendi. Oh, he did play for both. Now, Casey, you're on the keys. Yep, that's it. That's it. Okay, there we go. I'll take a real easy one. Nolan Ryan. Nolan Ryan is a Rangers 200 strikeouts. I can't. Oh, I should just right here. I need glasses so badly. Right there, yep. I was named after his son. I would have went Johnny Damon for Boston Red Sox, Kansas City Royal. Ben Intendi is also who I was thinking. All right, Paulie. Paul? I don't. I don't know if I. Oh, uh, Seattle 200Ks. Felix, King Felix works. Felix Hernandez. A Randy Johnson would have worked. Oh yeah. Felix Hernandez. Yep, right there. There we are. Okay. Kansas City 200Ks. Who had? Zach Granke. So go ahead and put Zach Granke, Granke up yep. there. Yep. He wanted him. He wanted Cy Young up there. Look at so us. G, it's K with a K. Yeah, yeah right there. Is that great? There guys, we go. Look at gonna, us. You guys are going to like my next one. Okay. All right, you want one? Guardians. Oh, Mar- oh, 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 you oh you, I thought you just answered. 
No, I didn't. Okay, oh, was, ahead, that, was that me? Reed's, yeah. Reed's trying to cook here. Okay. Reed, Reed put Granky. No? Go, go ahead. Go ahead. All right. Uh, uh, Cleveland, Seattle. How about Hall of Fame manager David Bell? He played for both teams. How are we skipping <laughs> Casey? No, yeah, you got Like Casey Cook. No, let's not. <laughs> David Bell? Yeah. That's a good 0.5%. Wow. Look at us. Look at that. You might have been the only person to put that in. That's right, baby. <laughs> Top 1%. That's this show. Extend them. I'm in a dark spot here, boys. Uh, Cleveland, Kansas City. Um, hmm. I don't know if I'm going to come up with any of these last four. I got one more in me. Okay, I might have two ahead. more in me. I got a Boston. I got a fun Boston uh, Seattle one. Who okay. you got? Cook. Four home runs in a game. Mike Cameron, also a former Red. Yes. Oh my. Oh wow. What, what's the last name? Cameron. Okay. Boston Rangers. I got one. Okay. Sling it. How about Corey Kluber? Corey Kluber works. Kluber. Man, look at us. This is where we're getting stale here. We're, we're doing – I asked if we could do this in 15 minutes. It's been four. <laughs> Guardians and Royals. Hmm. Oof. Um, I – Carlos I'm, Santana? Did he play for the – did he play for the Royals? Isn't he on – Put Carlos Santana. Car Casey. Carlos Santana's a pirate. Are we He's currently on the Pirates? Don't put Carlos Santana. Put Carlos Santana. No, don't no, no, no. We ride by this decision. We put Carlos oh, Santana. No. Oh no. I don't like it. I, oh god. Coco Crisp would have worked for Boston and Kansas City. Are, are we one hundred percent? Well, then no. Go Coco Crisp. Well, we're talking about Boston and Kansas City. Yeah. Put Coco Crisp. Coco Crisp. One of the best names of our generation. Yep. Coco Crisp. Yeah. Okay. We just Cleveland need one more. and Texas. Do we have one? Does Does somebody in this room? Cliff have Lee. One? Oh, Cliff the chat, Lee. The chat put him in there. Chat Cliff Lee is the table for Cliff Lee. They have been screaming Ooh. for Cliff Lee. Look at us. You picked yeah. the wrong. Yeah. You picked the wrong Cliff Lee. Oh. <laughs> you picked the Cliff Lee from the 1920s. No. No. There's more than one Cliff no. Lee. Casey. That is ridiculous. Casey. 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 You picked the Cliff Casey. Lee from the 1920s. Casey. Brother, come on. I let's know look up. Let's nobody. look up Cliff Lee stats from hey, 1920s. Yeah, let's go do a horrendous. deep dive on Cliff Lee. By the way, Carlos Santana would have fit for Kansas City, uh, Boston. Play? Or Kansas City Cliff Cleveland. Lee played from 1919 to 1926. He had a career war of 2.6. He played for Pittsburgh, the Reds, and the Indians. Huh. And Philadelphia. Had a career 28 home runs. Played right field, first base, and left field. He was, uh, he was born in 1896 and died in 1980. Lived a long life, 83 years old. R.I.P. Cliff Lee. R.I.P. R.I.P. And R.I.P. our immaculate grid. Most famous player he would have played so that with. Means, Hit ten more minutes. That means tomorrow we we have to nail it. We have to go. We got three nine. more. Yeah, three more this week. Tom is out all week. Tom is in Annapolis at the uh, the Naval Academy. His niece, right? Yes, his niece. niece. Yep. Niece is is going to be a plebe at the Naval Academy. And, and let me tell you what, there is no there is no greater summer to detach from the real world than what they put you through at the service academies, whether it's at the Naval Academy or West Point or Air Force, wherever, wherever you go, 
to the service academy, you go in for that first summer and you come out like a different person. Yeah, that's brutal. I could never – I have the stamina of a bag of milk. So I, I, I would be very, very bad in that situation. Very what, bad. If you, if, you, if, if you got accepted into the Naval Academy or into West Point, let's say West Point, you get accepted, what yes. does that summer look like for Elliot Rearing? Torture. Torture. It, it would be – truly, truly there's not a worse punishment for me. Mentally and physically, it would break me to a point where I don't think I could ever come back. You know what your summer should look like if you're, if you're going to, the, to Annapolis or West Point? Yeah, what? You need, to, you need to get out in the backyard, get a three-point stance, and learn how to roll out to your right. You're pulling guard, baby. We're running, <laughs> we're running the option now. That's what we're doing, Elliot. Yeah, I'll do it. I'll do it. Heck yeah. Yeah, I'm a fullback type. We can get, give me a fullback position. We can kinda, I can work with the fullback. Oh, yeah. You got to get in real close to that quarterback. Yeah. Get in real good. close. It's a brutal summer because what they do is they basically just detach you from everything. You, you, you're writing letters. I remember I had a friend from high school that went to West Point, and the whole summer you're just writing letters. You're, there's no communication, no phone, no nothing. It's boot camp for two months, three months. Then you come out on the other side. And in Annapolis, they do it at a minor league baseball game. Really? They do it at the, at the team that I work for in Bowie. Uh, yeah, it's it's one of the coolest nights of the year. So, like I said, you're totally detached from everything, your family, uh, everybody. You're just with your class for the two months of the summer. And then at the end of or, – or however long it is. Um, and then at the end of your, your training, yeah, in, in Bowie. So, Annapolis is only about 10 miles from Bowie, the campus of the, the Naval Academy. So, what they do is they bring the entire class, a few thousand of them, and they all come. They, they park in school buses in the parking lot. All the parents are there. They all have their phones out taken because they've never they haven't seen them in yeah. the last two months. They haven't seen them since before they went into the Naval Academy. So once they say bye, they don't see them again until they go to the, the Bay Sox game. And they all march in. They all have their flags and everything. And they all sit in their own sections. And it's just a sea of the white uniforms from the Naval Academy. We get up. We do the National Anthem. And then when the National Anthem's over, everybody kind of breaks rank and is allowed to relax for the first time in two months. And the concourses get filled with people going up there. And I don't think they're allowed to drink because they're in public in their uniform. So I, don't, I still don't think they're allowed to drink. But they go up there, you know, and get food. They can actually eat, yeah. like, whatever food they want for the first time in a nice. while. And nice. they, you know, have soda, ice cream, whatever they want, and see their families. Yeah, it's, it's a cool event. One of the most crowded games of the summer. It's a it's a fun event. There we go, Paul. Yeah. When you uh, grew up in you know Virginia near near DC in the DC area, did a lot of people go to like the Naval Academy like from from where you're at? Because like here, I remember being in high school. We had in the four years I was in high school, one kid went to West Point, one kid yeah. went to the Naval Academy, and it was a big deal. Like newspaper wrote about like it was a big yeah. deal that they got into those academies. Yeah, yeah. I think from my high school, I had. Uh, I had a couple go to the Naval Academy. I had a bunch of guys go to the Coast Guard Academy. Uh, well, one went to Merchant Marine to play football. One of my very be one of my best friends went to West Point. Um, so it's it's not as big of a like it, it's still a huge accomplishment to, oh, to yeah. get accepted into those schools. But like here, like it is the big deal. Like like yeah. let me put it this way: it is a bigger deal. We had kids that went to Ivy League schools and it wasn't a big deal. Yeah. They go to the West Point or Naval Academy, like we like threw like a, a ceremony for them. Oh, yeah, yeah. So on, on the awards night, they they will get a you know a ceremony. But I would say probably from my high school, I would say they average probably somewhere between one to three 
students per class okay. will end up at either the Naval Academy or at West Point. Right. And that's pretty common for around that area. I had, I know probably five, six, seven people, maybe somewhere in that range that went to the Naval Academy. Naval Academy is pretty close to where I grew up. I'm, I'm right around the other side from DC in, in Northern Virginia. So it's not that far, maybe 40 minutes or so, probably about from Cincinnati to Dayton to get up to the Naval Academy. So yeah, I, I but it's still a huge deal because you know, it's it's one of the hardest things to do in, in the country is to get into one of those academies because you're one of the best students in your class. You're one of the you're you're committing to not just the academy for four years, but you're committing to what you have to do out of the academy because you're committing service time to the country outside of what you do there. You know, you talk about everybody that goes into ROTC, they're committing time to the country as well once they get out of school. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the the Naval Academy is one of the coolest places that I've been to. And as far as a campus, it's right on the water in Annapolis. And Annapolis is a great city in and of itself. But the campus is just phenomenal. And the the state, the football stadium, I've been to a couple of football games there. The football stadium, you know, it is what it is. But it's it's big in lacrosse, too. It's, it's a big, it's big lacrosse area out there. Lacrosse growing. Out to the Midwest. I don't know if that is. Has lacrosse caught on out here? Slowly. Yeah. Slowly. Yeah. It's getting there. St. X and Elder has it. St. X and Elder are very heavy into the lacrosse game, yeah. Wait, I would say. I, I feel like those schools I, have I played always had it. Growing up. What? I feel like, the, I feel like uh, private schools and affluent areas have always had lacrosse, at least for the past 15 years or so. You're starting to see it in, like, like actual, like, like more inner-city public schools or, like, schools yeah. that traditionally wouldn't have had it. The GMC schools all have them. My Oak Hills has it. I know a lot of those guys. I played it growing up, so I, I was I was the goalie. I was I had a shutout against Our Lady of Victory. Shout out them for getting shut out by me. And I and I, I'll tell you what, it's dude being the goalie in lacrosse is another level of pain. It's just like there's no reward. There's no satisfaction for it. You're just getting like pelted in the thigh. That's all you get. Thigh, knee. You're just getting hurt when you play lacrosse. Yeah. That's it. I. I was sitting there the other night on the couch. It was like 11.30. I think this was Sunday P. night. 11.30 P. Sunday night. I'm sitting there, and I'm flicking channels, and there was nothing else on. I get to ESPN, and it's the World Lacrosse Championships. And I'm sitting there going, I have a friend I grew up playing basketball with that I haven't talked to in probably 10 years. I guarantee you he's on this team. 30 seconds later... They're talking about him because he's a starter on the team for the uni- for the United States. I look down. I'm in the you know lazy boy whatever reclined yeah. out eating a box of nerds at 11:30 <laughs> at night. We're the same age, both class of 2019. <laughs> and I just had to look at myself in the mirror and go, "Yeah, all right. We we took very different paths in our lives." <laughs> You're hosting off the bench. Come I know. On. I know. How old's Ellie De La Cruz? 21. Ooh, that makes me feel bad. About myself. I always figured when I got to that point where people were, I was watching athletes our age, I would feel terrible about myself. And I did for like a half summer. Then I was like, ah, it's whatever. Just is what it is. Now I root for people that are actively younger than me. Reed, do you think you could make a minor league team? Single A? No. No? What if I, if I gave you six months to train, you can't make a minor league team? No. No, I don't hit well enough. I think you could. I think I could play for the y'alls. You could play for the y'alls. Pretty sure I can play for okay. the Yanks. All right. Let's make that happen. Let's get, yeah, why didn't you try out? Because it's in St. Louis, Missouri, and it costs 300 bucks. I'll pay. There it. was a tryout here this year. 
pretty sure the the Frontier League tryout was in Saulgate, Missouri. There was a Saulgate, Illinois. I know for a fact there was a tryout here this year. I don't know what the we tryout was for, but there was a tryout here because they did a news segment on it. Let's get. I play. There, there's a player that I played with at Bluffton that pitches for the Alls right now. Let's get you down there, Tommy Seamer, Thomas the Train. Mm. Let's get you down there, Reed. All right, Charlie. Charlie is Charlie in here? Yeah, he is. All right, Charlie Walter, how you doing today? We have a uh, we have a little announcement to make, or I guess maybe a tease. Maybe a tease is better than an announcement here. But uh, as anybody that is watching off the bench knows, or that is maybe better put, watching Chatterbox Reds knows. We're starting to expand our coverage here in the Cincinnati area and starting to branch out, cover some more teams. And the biggest thing that we've been wanting to do is get you that live post-game reaction, get you that daily coverage, whatever it might be, of your favorite teams. Charlie, you're coming on board and you're gonna be you're gonna be our UC guy. Charlie, welcome to the team. I figure I watch all the games anyway. I'm screaming at the TV regardless. May as well break it down afterwards and have a little <laughs> community to banter to. Hopefully a couple of good squads, football team, and we'll see. There, there are some uh, experienced players that are joining the team. It's just kind of a, a shoulder shrug of what we're going to get because they're all transfers in this day and age. And, and then the Scott Satterfield experience. You know, he, he did step into Louisville after the whole Bobby Petrino mess and was ACC Coach of the Year in his first year. So maybe he could do something like that in Cincinnati. I think he, he inherits a better experience and inherits a, a better uh, – just inherits a better program right now than Louisville was when he first got there. But basketball is where I'm really excited. That's where the bread and butter is. And I know, Paulie, you're a big Xavier guy, so we'll have some fun shows when the shootout comes. But West go. Let's just say that. West go. Absolutely. So, Charlie, let me uh, let me give you a chance here to kind of tell the people who you are, what your experience. You've been around here in, in Cincinnati for a while. You were a host of the Reds post game show. You you had been a, a host there for a while. You've been around. You uh, see, obviously, for a long time. You grew up here in Cincinnati. You've been broadcasting out in the Bay Area for the last few years, but you're coming back here to the Midwest, not to Cincinnati, but at least to the Midwest. So give some people maybe your background. We already hear in the chat a lot of people that are Bearcats fans are ready to tune in, ready to follow you on Twitter. So uh, just give the people kind of a background of who you are and what we can expect to hear from you this fall and the winter. Yeah, so as you can tell, uh, based on my background, I'm moving uh, very shortly. Thursday, we're packing up the van. We're making the three-day trip cross-country to the Midwest and uh, – it's going to suck. Let's just uh, put it that way. It was terrible on the way out here. At least we got to stop at Vegas and have a little gambling day on the way out for some college football. On the way back, it's just my father-in-law and I, and we're driving through like the, uh, the Nebraskas of the world with two dogs. So we're moving back to the Midwest. Um, experience out here was incredible. Two years for the CBS in San Francisco. Also worked up in Sacramento the first year I was out here. Um, got to cover a Warriors championship. The San Francisco Giants win in 107. Stanford and Cal were garbage, so I'm excited to get back to a, a more <laughs> a, a more college-friendly environment. Literally, no one cares about collegiate athletics out here. It's wild. And then got to see the uh, the rise of Brock Purdy and being a CBS station. We did all the the post-game shows for the Raiders and the 49ers, and uh, that was that was my favorite assignment. I, I loved covering the NFL out here. So. That'll be tough to give up, but I am excited to, to head back to the Midwest, see what's next. And when, when Trace reached out and said, hey, 
we want someone running the the Bearcats content. I reached out to my buddy Houdini, who's a, a former Elder Panther, and we're getting after it with the uh, the realest takes known to mankind. So he can't hear you right now, but sitting over to my left is Elliot Rearing, who came to us from uh, iHeart 700 and, and 1530. He also is an elder guy. So his co-host, Elliot, I'm going to mediate here, yes. is an elder guy. Let's go. Well, yeah, what yeah, is so, it? Uh, go ahead. Hudson Clowkey is his name. Hudson, Hudson Clowkey. Uh, goes, goes by Houdini, a former standout. Do you know, do you know Tom or Dave Rearing? Uh, I recognize the name. It's Cincinnati. No, but he's you not a. The name we got to get a headset over. We, I got to. <laughs> anyway, go ahead, Charlie. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, so we're we're just hosting this thing. He's more in the. Uh, so I'm a. I wouldn't go full Big J, but I'd go the, the half capital J. You know, I've I've been a journalist out here for a minute, but I know I've also done a lot of uh, talk radio, so I, I can mix it up. And then he is just in finance and. Uh, has has no obligations to the world of broadcasting whatsoever. But what he does bring to the table is he's a hysterical dude. So we're just going to have a fun show. Uh, we're going to talk Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays on the podcast app, maybe throw a little show on YouTube. And then immediately after Bearcats games, we're going to get that thing going and we're going we're gonna to let it rip. So you guys have already done this podcast. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna pub the name of it yet because we're still working on getting it over to the uh, to the Chatterbox platform. But it's gonna be the same podcast that we're just gonna bring over. Correct? I don't want to put you on the spot, but that's my understanding of it. Yes, and it basically just looked at Cincinnati sports through a different lens. It was not as much X's and O's, not as much nuts and bolts, but it was more so just two dudes sitting on a couch, their reaction to what's going on around Cincinnati sports. And then obviously with me having stops in uh, Knoxville, Tennessee, covering the Vols, uh, Lexington, covering the UK Wildcats. I've been in Alabama, covered Auburn, Alabama. At this point, uh, local's, my, uh, local's my niche, but I'll, I'll touch anything and everything. As long as it's good content, we're going to be there for you. Great. So that's going to be coming up here in the fall. We're going to start uh, fairly soon. Football is not too far around the corner. And let's start with football. First off, Charlie, i got to get your thoughts here. The Reds have not won a game since Satterfield threw out the first pitch. Your thoughts? I bet the Louisville fans are fired up about that. I, I've never <laughs> seen a coach, at least since Brian Kelly left and Marty Gilliard and the gang was like, screw this guy. I have not seen a program turn on a coach so quickly. Usually it's, thanks for the memories, coach. We'll miss you, coach. No, everyone at Louisville is like, enjoy him. Enjoy him. Enjoy running on third and 17. So uh, apparently Satterfield loves to run the ball. I actually remember – him back at uh, Appalachian State, my first job in, in Montgomery, Alabama, they were playing in the Raycom Camellia Bowl against, uh, against the Ohio Bobcats, my alma mater. And he was a hot young coach at the time. Uh, everyone wanted Scott Satterfield. Louisville was the team that landed him and went there, ACC Coach of the Year his first year. Everyone was, was loving the, the Scott Satterfield train got a little better his second year, and then they just kind of stayed stagnant for a few more years to the point where he, he did leave the program a lot better than when he found it, but he found it pretty terribly. As for the team, um, a lot of newcomers. That's all I got to say. It, it's kind of hard to, to look at the roster right now and be confident one way or the other. I will say this. They avoid Kansas State. They avoid Texas, they avoid Texas Tech, and they avoid TCU. So they have the easiest Big 12 schedule known to mankind. That should help a little bit. 
Yeah. Uh, as far as y- your outlook for this season, the win total, I believe, is four and a half for the Bearcats on the season. And like I said, we don't need to get into, you know, breaking everything down right now. I'm going to give you uh, the floor to do everything for that a- as this goes along. But four and a half is the win total right now. You taking the over on that? Over. Over, for sure. Four and a half. We got Miami, Ohio in there. That's a win. They head up to Heinz Field. They get shades of, God, Armand Benz. We get some more, uh, some Heinz Field magic. Pike to Benz. I know neither of them will be on the field, but uh, maybe Pike will be in the broadcast booth or something <laughs> and could give us some magic there. But but uh, that, that's two wins right there. You got Kansas on the schedule. Kansas, come on. They can beat Kansas. A few others I, I see there. I like the over four and a half. Uh, they do have Emory Jones as the quarterback, plenty of big-time experience. Uh, it was hit or miss at Florida, did nothing at Arizona State, but I like them to potentially bounce back. It seems like players, when they come to Cincinnati, they kind of find their groove a little bit. And then Corey Kiner, the running back. Satterfield's going to want to run it, so it comes down to, is this offensive line big enough, tough enough, are they good enough in the trenches? <laughs> so it sounds like, Charlie, you're – you have a more positive outlook about this team than I. It's maybe some other people do around this city. It, it's a, it's a it's an I don't know. It, it really is an I don't know because they do have experience. Like I'm staring at the depth chart right now, and they're going to be running out juniors and seniors all over the place. It's not a bunch of freshmen. They're just coming from different programs, so we don't know what to expect when they put on the black and red. Uh, do have New Jersey's coming? That'll be exciting. Yeah, you got any comment on that? Because that was a whole deal. What the fact that they're uh, they're not actually licensed well, by Nike right now? They're just yeah. they're just buying. So what is it? It's like an in. It's like they 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 gotta dip their toe in the water before they jump in the deep end. What's the deal? Yeah, I guess yeah, I guess they're just buying the the Nike gear and then they're sewing on a C patch. The same thing that Nike sure. would do regardless. Like who cares? Come on. All right, all right, all right. Uh, how about basketball? Let's go football to basketball here. I know you and I have gone back and forth. If anybody listens to the rebound rundown that's listening in the chat here, Charlie's uh, was on several times this season. So you've definitely heard Charlie's thoughts on the basketball team. And if you did listen to Charlie, it means you know that his thoughts as the year went along, they evolved. Because if you listened after the Maui, uh, there was there was some therapy going on after the Maui on the rebound rundown. And then when we rolled around to maybe mid-February, there was a very different tone. So kind of walk us through where your thoughts are on Wes and the crew. Yeah, so I told you after the Arizona game last year that they're, they're not going to be a great basketball team. They were just lacking too many ingredients in their pot. This year, however, I love what Wes has done. Uh, the question's going to become – can these two bigs become eligible? Aziz Bandango from Utah State. Everyone, not Utah State, uh, Utah Valley. Everyone knows what he brings to the table. When they played them in the NIT, he was the best player on the floor. It was dominating locking, an absolute stud from day one. He'll step in and he could be really good for the Bearcats, as is Jameel Reynolds from Temple, the other big. Uh, anyone that watched the Cats last year knew that physicality has been an issue since the day John Brannon took over. Uh, everyone was, you know, just kind of, not everyone, but a lot of people were tired with, with Cronin bowing out in round one and just not having the offense. Everyone said, we need some offense. Well, we finally got the offense. Now there's no defense and toughness. The Bearcats had no issue scoring it last year. This year that should change, though. I think Jizzle James is going to be ready to play from day one. I don't know about Rayvon Griffith. We'll, we'll see with his skill set. I think he could be ready to contribute at least a little. 
Um, anything that he gives above five, six points per game to me is a plus. Uh, as is the same with Day-Day Thomas, the, the junior college transfer, I, I just don't know yet what he's going to bring to the table just because you don't really know until you, you, you see him. But Bandango and Reynolds, I know for a fact they would contribute. C.J. Frederick, if he's healthy, is going to pick things back up and be better than he was in Kentucky. This is just going to be a better fit for him. And then you just go down the list of who's returning. Uh, I, I looked at a picture of uh, Dan Skillings the other day. He's got some shoulders on him now. He's been in the monster factory in the offseason <laughs> doing his Y's, T's, and L's and his shrugs. He looks good. He was skilled last year. I think he could be the best player on the team potentially. And, and that's what I like about this Bearcats team slash don't like. I look at like four or five different dudes and say, he could be the best player. No, he could be the best player on the team. And that means your team could stink or you could have a lot of guys that can contribute. And that's where the Bearcats are right now. But I, I like what Wes is doing. I think he's perfect to lead this program. If basketball doesn't work out for him, he's got all the makings of being a U.S. politician, maybe like a senator or something like that. So I, I really like what Wes is doing with the program right now, saying all the right things, recruiting all the right guys. But he needs more wins because his on-floor success right now is at about a D plus, C minus. The Bearcats have stunk for a minute, and I'm sick of it. I'm sick of it. When you ask, you know – the leash on Wes is tough because it's not like you. It's not like he's on the hot seat. It's you know he's he's not on the hot seat. He's only been there a couple of years. It's not like we're going to have that conversation. But there is the the flip side of the coin where there is I would say maybe a little pressure. Hot seat is not the right term because that's unfair. That's that's straight up unfair. But there might be a little pressure. I don't know if you'd agree with this, Charlie, but I get your thoughts on it. There might be a little pressure on West this year where you've done a lot in the offseason. You hit the transfer portal hard. You have a historic class of freshmen coming in that seem to be talented and at least maybe one to two of them could contribute right away this year. You don't always want to count on the freshmen in this day and age of, of college basketball or the way it goes. It just seems like the transfers that come in, some of these older players are the ones that actually are the ones that contribute. But you also have to keep the freshmen happy because in the transfer portal, they could be gone. I say all of that in, in to say that UC hasn't made the tournament in the last few years, haven't won the shootout in the last few years, but there's been a lot of change in there. You had John Brannon, they have Wes Miller, both of them had to build their own teams. A lot of things were in flux, but now Wes has been here in a couple years. And you got to go out there and you got to show something but you're also joining the Big 12. So how do you keep all of those things in the same mindset as you approach what you are expecting to see out of this team this year? Yeah, one more player to add uh, for Butler, Simas, Lukosius, yeah. right? He's, yep. He could be a nice player too. So, so the Cats do have some good players. The way I, I sit at it right now is Wes is going to have every chance to not put himself on the hot seat. Uh, could he be on the hot seat entering next year? It depends. I think if they're the worst team in the Big 12, despite how good the conference is, I, he's on my hot seat. I don't know about the, uh, I don't know about the, the the staff or anything, and the the, the management that's controlling that. I, I don't have any say in that. But me personally, absolutely. If they finish last in the Big 12, three seasons in for Wes Miller, still hasn't beaten Houston, Xavier, uh, Memphis really have any massive signature wins. Because last year they beat UCF at home, and everyone's like, there's a signature win for West. It's not a signature win. Give me a break. The Illinois win, 
that was a one-off because Mikey Saunders had about 30 and Davenport nailed about 17 threes. That'll happen once every blue moon. Um, the teams haven't been good enough. I think he knows that, and he hit the portal hard and got a bunch of players that can help this year. If these players don't help, it, for whatever reason, if he evaluated wrong again, and we have another situation where, forgetting his name right now, but the old Dominion transfer, uh, Warner, uh, Kalua Zipke, if we get another one of those situations where you know he brings in some guys that on paper, because Zipke last year, I was like, he's going to help. Even in game one against Chaminade, I was like, this guy can play. And then he sits on the bench for seven straight games. If that happens again this year and this team finishes last in the Big 12, he's on my hot seat. Absolutely. How many years are we going to give the guy? Just because he carries himself like a U.S. senator? Are we going to give him 10 years? No. I, I don't think that's going to happen. I think he's going to turn it around this year, and they're going to show signs of improvement, which we need. Because if, if there's a very low finish in the Big 12, I'm going to start questioning things because all the talent's there, it would seem. Yeah, I was going to follow up on that because you look at last year and what they did in the offseason. It, it didn't feel like last season's roster was overly talented. They had going into the season some pieces that they thought were going to work, but you had a really, really talented point guard in David DeJulius. I mean, that's somebody that, you know, he, he was somebody you could build around, but you didn't have a ton around him because Landers Nolly probably didn't pan out the way you were hoping. He was good. He had a good season. But as far as Nolly, DeJulius, you had Locken who had a, a, a decent season. But we're talking about the Big 12 here. We're talking about Kansas. We're talking about some of the best teams in the country. We're talking about teams that have won multiple national championships in your the last off night three is, years. Your off night is going to be West Virginia this year, right? Going up to the Coliseum in Morgantown. That's going to be an off night in the Big 12. Uh, I'm trying to think of who else could potentially stink. Uh, maybe TCU falls off a little bit. Oklahoma hasn't been great in years past. But aside from that, every single team can play. Uh, I don't expect Iowa State to be dropping off much. So it, it, it's going to be difficult in that regard. Um, last year, they went into the season in the Micah Adams woods of the world and, and the Davenport. We found out the year before that he just couldn't defend at the highest level. And uh, Odio Guama, I know he's back this year. He showed actually a ton of improvement last year to where I'm somewhat excited to see what he can do defensively. But last year, he just wasn't ready to contribute. And then they bring in Rob Fennessy. I talked to a bunch of Indiana fans before the season. And they said, you know, he's, he's fine. He's not going to help you win a national title. And, I mean, that's what we want to get back to is players that can help you win a national title. And I think that's what Wes did this offseason. He went out and at least got players that can help them make the NCAA tournament as a starting point. And he's going to be here for a minute. I believe that. So get the building blocks in place. And uh, I think he's off to a good start. All right. Before I let you go, Charlie, because first off, I want to say thanks for joining since it's, what, 748 out where you are right it's, now? It's, it's 748. I got my, my wife. I'm trying to be somewhat quiet. You know, normally I come, I, I, I yell into this microphone, but right now I'm being a little bit quiet, respectful of my wife who's in the other room sleeping right now. Um, but I gave her a little little headset earmuff thing. So she's sleeping over go. there right now to probably some sounds of the rainforest. Uh, so <laughs> white noise she's, she's being yeah she's being serenaded in there and and i'm going i'm going straight to bed after this so uh this is just a little cameo in the morning there we just go to, uh, to see what okay. this is all about love it so last last thing i want to ask you uh the reds 
any any thoughts on on what you're seeing here out of the Reds? I I guess put you on the spot since I told you we we're going to talk UC, but it's been a historic week for the Red Legs the last couple of weeks. Uh, now they've lost three in a row. Any 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 reaction to that? Have you seen any of that? I know you've been busy moving. If you haven't, you can say no. Paul, kick rocks. I'm going back to bed. I love it. I, I love everything about it. And, and the best part is, is there's no payroll to cut. We're not paying anyone. Vado is going to be off the books next year. Moose off the books next year. I think Griffey's still on the books. He's going to be off either next year or the next. So you're getting all these contracts off the books, and you're not paying Ellie anything yet. You're not playing, paying McLean anything yet. Christian Encarnacion Strand's coming up. Marte's getting close. The best part about this team is the offense is great. The pitching sucks. You're not going to sign any pitching in the offseason because no one wants to pitch at Great American Small Park. So what can the Reds do? They can make some trades, and I love the market right now. I love ransacking the White Sox, uh, even if it's Michael Kopech or Lucas Giolito. Um, if you can get Dylan Cease, who's controlled through either 25 or 26, I would absolutely give up a blue-chip prospect like a, a Christian Encarnacion Strand or a Marte to get him if it's a one-on-one -on -one swap. I don't want to get too in the habit of giving up a ton of prospects, but they need pitching right now. These arms are an absolute travesty. And uh, everyone knows it that's watching these games. You're not going to get a bunch of free agent signings in the offseason because, again, no one wants their ERA to be inflated at GABP. So with that being said, whether it's, whether it's Cease, whether it's you go out and get Shane Bieber, whether you go out and get, you know, I've heard some people saying Michael Lorenzen. I don't know how much he helps your team. I got him on my fantasy team. I drop him every other week and pick him back up. He's a streamer at this point. So I, I don't know if he's the guy we're looking for. But they just need anyone over the improvements that they have. Hell, Kevin Quackenbush, is he still out there? We'll, we'll take him at this point. <laughs> what about uh, what about Jonathan India? Are you keeping him or are you dealing him? That's tough because I love India. I, so I love do I. India and, the, and the vibes that he brings to this team. But you don't need more hitters right now. So it just depends whether you want to give up India or whether you want to give up a, a CES, a Marte, and a Royo, someone from the minors right now. And that's the tough decisions that management are going to have to make. But if they did give up India in a clean swap for a Shane Bieber, um, I don't know his control, but I know Cease. Let's say India, and they, they throw in a little prospect for Dylan Cease, who's controlled for like three more years. I'd say why not? The Cy Young runner-up, you need arms. Um, you can shift around the infield. And when you bring up Encarnacion Strand, you're not going to have a spot for him anyways. So... Yeah, that's the question I wonder. And here's the big question I ask. Is there any chance that with, with how much Joey Votto loves this team and loves this city right now, is there any chance that he would take like a really team-friendly deal, like the minimum, to, to play next year just to be a part of this and potentially win a World Series? Or is that, you know, is he too big for that at this point? We were talking about that yesterday after the show was over. We were talking about what – Votto might be able to do or not do or what he would be willing to do, really. Why not? Why wouldn't he? Seems like he's enjoying himself quite a bit. Yeah. All right. Well, Charlie, again, uh, anything else that you want to pitch before I uh, let you go? Anything else that <laughs> – anything else that I <laughs> – good job, Reed. Anything else that uh, that we want to pitch before you get out of here? 
Uh, I am going to be feeling the rain on my skin. It's a terrible day in Pacifica, California. Uh, we do have the world's nicest Taco Bell. So if you're ever out in the Bay Area, head down to Pacifica, check out the world's mm. nicest Taco Bell. And if you want to make yourself feel a lot better in Cincinnati today, look up real estate prices in the Bay Area. That'll make you feel good about yourself because it's ridiculous out here. I'm excited to get back to the Midwest and uh, excited to just uh, to join the chatter. Love it. Join the chatter. That's the way to sign off. Thank you very much, Charlie. Appreciate it. Safe travels. Thanks, man. Thanks, guys. Talk to you soon. Well, uh, I don't know if you guys could hear anything. You guys can't hear a word that an interview nope, says. Nope, not one word. Nope. But I, I'm sure that sounded great. I think that looked great. <laughs> speaking that was of, a great interview. Speaking of sounding great, Casey, I want to give you a round of applause because I don't hear any crackling in my, my, in my headset. Now, is that just me or is that any, what no, these people That's everyone. Hear? That's everything. You, so well, you fixed yes, it. Casey. So wait, so appeal behind the curtain here, a little behind the scenes to Chatterbox Sports. When this show ends every day, for probably the last four months, we've gone to lunch, we've come back, and Casey has just pined away at trying to figure out what that little crackle is that you hear in your microphone, whether it's on an interview or whether it's us talking, whatever it might be. And we've been, what, four months and we, we can't figure it out? Yeah, I mean, we, we couldn't figure it out. I mean, it was, it was back and forth between different issues. Like, I mean, we, we went and got new hardware reinstalled software i mean i went through everything up and down and eventually we just got to the point where we're like all right is this input on on this thing causing the issue nope all right it stays and we just kept going kept going and then we finally realized it was uh to give a little peel back more of the curtain our graphics package was causing the issues but because it's a web-based graphics package we made a little setting adjustment, and then mm. boom. Look at us. Look at you. By the way, Casey, nice t-shirt. Thank you. Thank you, Reed. I like your t-shirt, too. Yeah, we look good. We look good together. We match. You guys yeah. are twins over there. Did you get that from J. Crew? No. Oh. We got it from the same place, though. Oh. Tarjay. Tarjay. Oh, Tarjay. A staple. Staple of the, the mouse income where it goes. That's right. I forgot to I, I forgot to ask him probably because I, I I wasn't able to hear him, but I I forgot to ask him that uh, or ask him what his favorite team was from the American Conference, a storied a storied conference. Well, let's go around the room, Elliot. Okay, you're, so I'll you're start first. When we played when I, we UC basketball, when UC basketball played South Florida, it was the most disgusting brand of basketball. The final sc I remember when Mick Cronin was was playing against South Florida. I think the final scores of those games would be like 42 to 31. Looked like a GCL basketball there. game. Elder yeah. versus LaSalle. Yeah. What? Looked like GCL basketball. Oh. Elder versus LaSalle. <laughs> Go on. And uh, But no, I so South Florida is mine. I just hate South Florida. I think they're a hack. I remember in football, they beat us. There was a game they beat, uh, again, us, UC football. South Florida, I think they won 51 to 3. I think that was the score. I, don't, I can't confirm that. I don't know what it was. But it's just South Florida just got on my nerve. What a fake school. What a fake What a fake school. South Florida? Yeah, the Bulls. Because they're not as cool as Central Florida. And Central Florida, they're losers, respectfully. All do. Alabama, Cinch we play South Florida this year. Do you? Go congratulations, down congratulations on the win. Thank Is you. Central Florida farther south than South Florida? Orlando and Miami? Or uh, Orlando and Tampa. Tampa? I think it is, right? I think it is. So they're, not, so they're frauds, too. They are frauds. Wow, I'm glad we've uncovered this. It's like Lakota East and Lakota West being north and south from one another. <laughs> yes. Paul, 
So yes. that was my favorite from the uh, American. Who was Xavier? Who was your fa- least favorite opponent to play in the A10? Oh, <laughs> man. It's got to be St. Bonaventure. That's good. God, Bonaventure was a tough trip because there's just nothing going on there. And o- Olean, I always pronounce it wrong. I think it's Olean, New York, going out there. Bon- the Bonnies, that's a tough one. Yeah, that trip is Duquesne. Duquesne, you can't get up for Duquesne. Duquesne. There's not enough money. You could, I mean, NIL is a new thing now, but everybody knows they were paying players back then. No, there's not an amount of money that you could get to wake up for Duquesne. I mean, I just look at this whole list. Duquesne, Massachusetts, UMass. UMass is bad. George Washington. What about the president? Hey, whoa, 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 whoa. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. That was, you watch your... Don't slander. What am I the doing? The first president of the United States. JW. I was, I was I was slandering the college, not the president himself. Well, just just slow your roll. Just watch the, the what you're saying. The college named after him stinks. That's not my fault. Yeah, they. It uh, should have been written into the Constitution. George Washington, maybe not give him the worst college of all time. <laughs> yeah, they were bad. Yeah. They 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 were bad. It was it was my one opportunity though during the year to go watch Xavier play. It was when Xavier would come out and play George Washington. Oh, okay. What's their arena but like? It's not nice. Yeah, I you know. Now that I say yeah. that, I don't know. I don't know that I had. I'd have to think back. I'd have to go back and see if I if I've been to a game at that arena or if I just started going when they were at Georgetown when I would when they joined the Big East. I, I, I'd have to go back and find that. But Georgetown, George Washington's arena is not is not nice. Okay, all right. Not not good. So they- there's some. What was that read? I was just going to say the chat is telling me that Tampa is, in fact, south of Orlando. But I stand by the fact that Tampa is in central Florida. It, it, yeah. It is south of Orlando. You weren't that far off, which to the point. But it is in central Florida. Yeah. To the point of south Florida versus central Florida, arguing Tampa versus Orlando is not that far off. Right. It's, yeah. it's sad right. that we even have to have the argument, which just. Right. I agree. Yeah. Right. Yeah. To, to answer the A-10 thing. Uh, I'd say Duquesne. Okay. There's just no juice for Duquesne. It's a good answer. The Dukes. The Dukes. You got any thoughts on the A10, Jacob? I know you're very, very <laughs> yeah. much above well, Alabama, us. I'm pretty sure Alabama schedules one of those opponents every year for the first game. <laughs> I think they just they just like they like a free murder is what Alabama likes. So, well, I will never understand. Let's. I didn't know what Hold I said. On. I didn't Hold know what on. I said. Elliot, I think you need to go take a shower. Or yeah, I need to. I didn't know what I said there. That was my bad. Hand up. Made a mistake. But we move on. We move on. Number two pick in the draft. Jacob. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, that was worse than what I did. That was way worse. Uh, We're talking about Alabama sports. Paul, host this show, steer this ship, segue off. Segue off. Let's not talk about Alabama sports anymore. How about that? Reed, you got any thoughts on the A-10? (laughs) A-10? Yeah. No. (laughs) Casey, let's get your thoughts on the A-10. The HCAC, maybe. I can tell you my least favorite HCAC team is. Which one was it? Oh, Defiance, for sure. The Yellow Why? Jackets of uh, Defiance College. Best rivalry in sports is between Bluffton and Defiance. Mm. Battle of the Hammer. Bluffton, my senior year in the football game, turned the ball over nine times and won the football game. That's hard to do, Reed. It's good football. Good football up there. Nine times. Nine times. They turned the ball. They, they How threw, do you have that many possessions to turn the ball over and They threw still five win the interceptions game? and fumbled, lost four fumbles. So, Casey's actively looking up A-10 teams. Here we go. This is, this <laughs> you know, is my favorite. I, I just wanted to make sure that I, I wasn't <laughs> saying something incorrect. 
Do you know any arachnid teams besides Richmond? Richmond Spiders. The Richmond Spiders. Richmond Spiders. I, I know. That, that's what I'm saying. That's the oh, only besides team. Richmond. Besides Richmond. Uh, let's listen. Is there a Black Widow? No. No. Richmond always confused me as a young child because they would be the number one team in uh, D1AA or FCS or whatever. So I'd be watching ESPN and it would say Richmond, number one in the country, watching the football game. And I'd be like, what? I, th I thought Alabama was number one. What is going on? Always threw me for a loop as a kid. Hmm. Tarantula? There's not a tarantula mascot? No. Not no? a D1. Hmm. Interesting. I'm just talking – you brought up arachnids. I thought I'd – because they have to say a few. Okay. Daddy Longlegs? That's what they call Paul. Now you're just naming arachnids. <laughs> that is what they called Paul in high school. But Jacob. they left the long legs out. Daddy long legs. It, uh, so, 11 o'clock right now. We have 30 minutes until we get to the best 30 minutes in television. Let's, we haven't talked at all about the Reds and that disaster last night. Uh, and it was kind of a disaster, but also kind of a game that you just throw away. Uh, Brandon Williamson was very active on tr that yep. I'm having a, I'm having a, you're right. Yeah. You're go good. with it. You're go good. with it. You're go with money it. so far. Charlie Goldsmith is our guy. Let's, he is our let's, guy. Let, is our guy. Let's get that out in the clear right now. Friend let's get that out on the table. He is a friend of the program, but we also have a job up here at this desk to report on what goes on in the Cincinnati sports landscape. Our guy, B. Will, got on his phone during the rain delay last night and fired back at Charlie Goldsmith. And I, the tweet has since been deleted. I don't know if anybody has a screenshot of it. But basically, Charlie was talking about Williamson's night last night and how he struggled and threw a lot of pitches and couldn't get out of the inning. And B. Will fired back and basically said, hey, Elliot, take it so away. So this, this is a quote from B. Will, again, deleted. I don't know if you saw or not, but it was pissing rain. You would have misspelled six words in this tweet if you were on the bump in that. <laughs> uh, I'd like to good say tweet. it's a good tweet. I, thank you, Brandon, for pointing that out. Someone might have missed that. It was raining. It was pissing rain. I, I think that was very funny. That was a that. What's going on with the TV? Whoa. Okay, don't worry. I'm, get, I'm getting the actual quote. Uh, our, our good friend of the program, Drew Garrison, sent me the, the, the tweet, so I'm going to put it on the – Okay. But, yeah, it was a, it, it's a funny response, and I think we were having this debate. Do we like athletes doing that, calling out reporters like that? I think in that situation it's funny. If that was like, if that was like Max Scherzer who called him out, then it's not funny. If it's Brandon Williamson, a guy <laughs> who certainly won't be in the MLB in a year, respectfully, respectfully, I think that's a funny tweet. Here's the tweet. From Brandon Williamson, IDK, if you saw or not, but it was pissing rain. <laughs> you would have misspelled six words in this tweet if you were on the bump in that. Now, I, I think Elliot's saying Brandon Williamson's not going to be in the MLB in a couple years is wild. I Let's touch on that real quick. Yeah, I don't think he's very good, but I mean, to each their own. Respectfully. Respectfully. I, yeah. If he is, congrats to him. I hope he's here. I think he looked pretty good last night, those nine pitches he threw before the monsoon. Yeah, and then he looked horrible. It was pissing rain, Elliot. I I know. I saw his tweet. Do we do we like athletes tweeting reporters defending themselves, even if the tweet is objectively funny? The tweet was a funny response, but do we like that? Do we appreciate that? Ah, uh, as long as I it's would, not malicious, I'm, with, I'm a fan. You're you're okay with with speaking your speaking your case? Absolutely. I think we're all human. We're all human, right? And we sit there. If he's sitting there on his phone, bored in a rain delay, and he sees that. 
And one, he's frustrated because he just was out there pitching in it. And it's one of those situations where a lot of times, you know, we sit up here, we might criticize somebody, we might read criticism of other people. We, we're in the chat reading criticism of ourselves. Yep. We're on Twitter. We read criticism of ourselves. You know, you're broadcasting a game, whatever. You see people calling you out. Just as a human, your natural instinct is to want to defend yourself. It's natural. Yeah, Paul, as a big as a big J journalist yourself, yes. after a crosstown shootout, let's say David DeJulius gets a hold of your Twitter account and just starts ripping you, ripping you to shreds. What do you What do you do? Well, DeJulius would be a little different. Well, yeah, okay, but what would you do? I would. I just wouldn't. Davenport. Davenport does it. Well, I'm just saying, any guy on UC, it just wouldn't matter. Okay, all right. I wouldn't care. Would you fight back? Well, no, no, no. You wouldn't fight no, back? No, no, no. That's not totally true. That's I was not about totally... to say, you would care. You that's would not totally back. true. I would care if I knew that I got got. If, but if I was right and they were just emotional, I, that's... Okay, so like in this context, like was Charlie wrong? No, no. I don't think he was wrong, which is why I'm saying I, Charlie probably doesn't care. But there is like a little bit of a mitigating factor in the fact that it was pouring down rain. All right, I think so, so in this scenario, you know, the game's close, and you put out a tweet saying, all right, Davenport's misses 15-3 of the night, but, like, one of them was blocked by a Skyline parachute falling down from the ceiling. <laughs> and then he responds, it was pissing Skyline parachutes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So what would you do to well, that? Well, yeah, yeah, I would, I'd, you know, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't know what I would respond. I, I don't know. I don't know how to respond. I there. think you'd play around. I think I think you'd play. There are other Big J journalists who won't play around. I think you'd play. Around. I would. I would a hundred percent play around. It would probably take me a second because I'd have to come up with something that I knew I wouldn't get yes. grilled for. Yes. Because if you're gonna if you're gonna get in the mud, you have to get in the mud and know that you're strategic. You're strategic because right. you can't get in the mud on Twitter where you have the court of public opinion and be wrong. You can't get it wrong because if you get it wrong, and you're not on the side. Of public opinion then you're cooked oh, yeah. you're toast yep if your opinion is wrong on twitter in a battle between two people that a lot of people care about and you're on the wrong side of history oh yeah you're toast not good i don't know if i've ever been in one of those though so i can't okay. really speak from experience right. i feel like this might be a take that you guys are surprised that i would take but i don't like it i i, I don't like when athletes take to reporters to def like quote unquote defend themselves i don't i don't i truly don't like it i don't know why if they're talking i guess it depends like if they're talking about your play i don't I, like i don't like it like if it if they're personally attacking you then yeah you can defend yourself but if they're just like hey brandon williamson sucked today or whatever like obviously not saying that yeah. but and you go you go to twitter to defend yourself i don't like that i, I mean regardless of the mitigating circumstances that it is pissing rain <laughs> I, I I don't care for that. Just just go out there and and play better the next time. Yeah, know? I agree. I just don't. It's not something I would do. I never respond if there's if there's BJ journalists. If there's criticism on Twitter or if there's somebody calling me out, unless it's obvious, unless it's like to a point where I need to defend myself because yeah. it's wrong, and somebody that might read that comment might think something poorly of me because they read that and it's not true. That's a totally different situation. But if you're just bad at your job if you're listening to off the bench right now or if somebody's listening back in podcast form and they're going god this this paul guy he stinks he's awful <laughs> so okay it's your opinion i'm not gonna fire back at you whatever yeah. that's fine All you right. made my day a little worse just know that but it's fine that's i'm not gonna fire back at you pocket. 
I would I would like if an athlete was self-deprecating <laughs> from time like instead of yeah, instead of defending it and be like, what if Brandon Williamson just came like, yeah, I was raining, but I sucked or something like that. Yeah. Like they just just kind of made a joke, brought some levity to to a bad I, performance. Yeah, I agree. His joke cool hit. With that. I, I mean, his agree. joke hit. Yeah, taking advantage of the joke. But he was. I don't think it was a joke though. I no, think no, it, he was. He was genuinely mad. Um, he was genuinely. He was, genuinely yeah, he was heated. So that's you what I'm misspelled saying. Like, six I don't words in the rain on the bump. Come on, that's a that's funny joke. Well, especially to a guy like it's Char objectively a funny tweet, but I still think you shouldn't do it. Yeah, especially I think he was mad. He just was funny about it. But if you, I think I'm with Reed on this. I don't right, think you. you I don't. I don't think you. You come out and you try to defend yourself at all. I'm not an excuse guy. But if you were self-deprecating about it and you were able to recognize that you played poorly, then. Everyone realizes, like, hey, this guy doesn't think he's, you know, he's played well, or like, he's not giving himself a, a pass, so to speak. He's trying to give himself a pass, which is, I don't agree with. Yeah, and especially think. to a guy like Charlie, who is as well respected Correct. as he is, and and is pretty much always right. Correct. Like Charlie knows what he's talking about. He's well researched. He's very measured in what he says, so he doesn't say anything unless he feels like he needs to say it. He's not just firing off tweets left and right just to get clicks on the internet. He's doing something because it feels like it adds value to the conversation, which is what Twitter should be. He's one of the best in the biz here in the city, and because of that, you earn some respect, and... You're sitting, but on the flip side, as a human being, you're sitting there in the dugout and you're, or in the locker room, wherever you are, and you're on your phone, you're scrolling, you see your name, maybe you name search yourself, and you're going, hey, what are people saying? Because I just gave up a ton of runs in the pouring down rain. Yep. You name search yourself, you see that top result pop up, you fire back immediately, and whether he had the wherewithal to delete it himself or whether it was you know, a Reds PR person that said, hey, maybe we take this one down. Either way, it was the right decision. I'm with you, Reed. I don't like it when, when guys fire back at that. It's put your head down, do your job, come back later. Right. Look, it's not that it, – it's not we, – we are, we are in a situation here where you're going out, you're pitching, you have an opportunity to go correct the issue. Everybody that's watching knows that it was pouring down rain. Everybody that has two cents of knowledge up in your brain can figure out that – oh, maybe the pouring down rain played an issue here in this situation and why you just gave up. However many runs did he – how many runs did he end up giving up? I didn't – I forget what his what, total six was. and two? What, what he got charged with. But either way, I mean, the, red, the, the Reds were out of the game by the time he came out of the game. A lot of that might have had been due to the rain. Now, the flip side of it – Charged is, with three runs, two innings. Charged with three runs. So, he, so the Reds weren't totally out of it by the time – the Reds were still in it when they came out of the rain delay. The game wasn't over. Absolutely. When the Reds, yeah. the Reds were very much still in the, it. The depleted bullpen lost us the game. We, we didn't have anyone to go to. At what point do we need to bring back Karcher? Now it's got to happen now. It's got to happen now. We're, I mean, quite frankly, Jake Wong. He was a sacrificial lamb last night. They just threw him out to the Wolves. You, you're gone. Nick Kirby doesn't like it, but I'm going to say he's not in the he's not in the big leagues in a year either. So, not good. We got. I, I don't know. I don't know what the solution is now. I mean, the, the the pitching staff is so depleted that I don't know if two starters will get the job done anymore. I think it's like you need at least three. You need three relievers now. Two starters. I don't know. I don't know what helps this team. This, <laughs> it's just yeah. depleted. I mean, this this myth that there's just this abundance of pitching out there to go get and immediately help this team. You know, to trade guys right now. Like it's not out there. Like you can't just go get 
a new third, fourth, and fifth starter and three new bullpen guys. Like, it, it doesn't exist. But sitting on your hands and just like, oh, hopefully they pitch better, it doesn't answer the it doesn't I would answer rather do that than trade a valuable prospect. Well, I let me let me say this. They, ha- I'm, they I'm have India. On, get rid of Marte. Get a pitcher. I'm sitting. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. I'm, I agree. Get rid of India for a bag of chips so I can eat them while I but watch But isn't Marte, isn't Marte, I was obviously kidding. But on a serious note, you know what, Elliot? This is your point, so I'm going to let you say it. If when you, What you think Marte can be to his highest potential, that's Jonathan India. I couldn't possibly disagree more. He's a rookie of the year. He won the rookie of the year. Noelvi Marte is already a better defender. He won the rookie of the year. What stat will, do you want Noelvi Marte to accomplish? Defense. Defense. Be a better defender. That's it. Yes. Okay. That's it. If he hits That's the it. same as Jonathan India with better defense, yes. Jonathan India has lived up to the hype. Sorry. He's lived up more to the hype. He's, he's the leader of this team, and he, he won rookie of the Lead year. It, I don't know what else the guy can do. Elliot, that, I mean, that's rough. That's not rough. That's no, not Noel rough. Noelvi Marte is <laughs> so far and beyond Jonathan India with where he could be. Has he proven it? What has Jonathan India proven? What do you mean, what has he proven? He won Rookie of the Year, you clown. <laughs> two years he won ago. Rookie of the Year. These last two series, he When you been... play the prospect game, that's what they're supposed to do. I mean, he won Rookie of the Year. He three outs last night. Yeah, he's not a good defender. He's I don't... abysmal. Yeah, okay. And that's why we have a DH spot. Play him in DH. He doesn't have to play second base every okay, day. Okay, and then he doesn't sign an extension and he walks for free. If Jonathan India is not playing second base, he's not, I'm just, exten- he's I'm not just, extending himself. I'm just saying, team. if Noelvi Marte comes up, whenever he comes up and he doesn't win Rookie of the Year, I'm out. We're but trading him. If, if Noelvi Marte... We're trading him. Jonathan India can't play defense. He can't. He's horrible at it. He is a bad defender, objectively. He's not good. So if you can Stevenson get... sucks too. Stevenson's the worst defender on the team. And he doesn't catch. He's the worst defender on the team. And he doesn't catch. Nobody's saying trade Stevenson. Stevenson should be the first one out this door. What is Stevenson's value right now? Like, he, he, has no, he literally has no value. Stevenson has less value than anybody on this roster. So Sounds why like would we you need a player him? court. I, I, we, we need a box jo- court for Jonathan, <laughs> Jonathan India. Jonathan India is not only the leader of this team. But oh, he's yeah, he's a, a great leader. He's a proven major leaguer. He's proven. He's proven it. He's gotten up. He's, he's proven he well. can't play second base. He can't do it. Then try another one. <laughs> Put yeah, him in left, left field, and left he field. won't sign an extension. Left field India. And he won't sign an extension. No. No. If Jonathan India is not playing second base, he will not extend with the Reds, in which case you need to get something for him. My point is that Jonathan India has proven that he can play in the majors at a high level. That is my point. He has proven the ability to do that. At this point, Noelvi Marte has not proven that. That is my point. Drew just brings up a good point. Jonathan India is the guy that just – had that double play on the most famous game. That's right. Just a couple days ago. So, so we're now crediting Jonathan India for turning routine double plays. And the, and that's Nick, how far we've fallen. And Nick Kirby saying Giovanni Soto won the rookie of the year over Votto. Does that mean he's better? No, that's not my point. My point is that he's proven. Jonathan India is, is a proven MLB player. Should they trade Jonathan India? Maybe. I don't know. But it's like you can't say Noel V. Marte is better than Jonathan India. You can't say it. Noel V. Marte is playing third base. Matt McClain's the one replacing Jonathan India at second. That's fine. Then you put India out in left field. And if he's willing to do that, great. He is. That's a leader of men. He hasn't done it yet. Spencer Not Steer, yet. Spencer Steer. He hasn't had to yet. He hasn't had to. Oh, I argue he had to a couple years ago. I mean, he was abysmal his rookie year when he won rookie I, of the listen, year. Listen, I'm not saying Jonathan India is a good defender. I'm not, saying, I'm, not, I'm, I, I'm not saying you shouldn't trade Jonathan India. I'm saying whatever you expect from Noel V. Marte is Jonathan India. The guy is a good baseball player. 
they're not a good baseball the same player. Position. It's not the same position, but it's the same thing, though. The pro when you when you have a prospect, the goal is to be as good as Jonathan India is right now. That's the goal. Jonathan uh, I mean, I couldn't possibly disagree more. Okay. If Ellie De La Cruz turns into what Jonathan India is right now, everyone let's in this trade city India. Will be let's trade India. Let's trade him. Get him off the team. That's all I want to hear. Him. That's all I want to hear. No, Sell him. You can't. You can't ever convince me. They're gonna do it, and it's gonna pain me. But you can't convince me that that's. Reed, you trading Jonathan India? Yes. I mean, li listen. So here's my here's my opinion on on this whole matter. I don't think I've illustrated this well enough. You guys are making me hate this Marte guy, and I don't even okay, know him. I hate him. McLean's now. I, I like, I'm with you. You're making me hate this Marte guy, and I don't. I've never seen him play. And again, this is no knock on Marte. It's not a knock on Marte. I'm saying what you what you hope, what you dream when you lay your when you lay your head on your Alabama pillow at night. You are dreaming that Marte is as good as Jonathan India is right now. Jonathan no, India, not true. It is. I'm it is true. Worlds ahead of Jonathan India. Worlds ahead. Uh, I'd just like, like Ellie is. Just like McLean is. I'd like already. I'd like just to, like Spencer Spear is I'd like already. To, I'd like to see. Spent, I'd like to see him prove it. All three are better defenders right now, and they're they're rookies. All three are better defenders and better bats right now. I'd like to see him prove it. Trace just asked Ellie, "Do you do you think Ellie is the same as India seven weeks Perfect ago?" Perfect question. Did you think Ellie is the same as India seven weeks ago? No, I think Ellie's a little bit different. But I, I don't think Ellie and Novi Marte are that big of a difference when it comes to prospects. Novi Marte's been a top 25 Novi prospect Marte since doesn't, he was, no, no, okay. Since he got into the yes. Mariners organization. Yes. He maybe has more hype over a longer period of time than Ellie. Listen. Not maybe. He does. I'm just saying, when you play the prospect game, you expect them to be good when they come to the MLB. I think Novi Marte will be good. That's not the point I'm saying here. I'm just saying, when you say trade India so Marte can have his spot, right. is he going to hit as good as India? Do we know that for sure? Do we know that but for sure? But here's the Not thing, a like, ball. Jonathan India, if, if he can't play second base, you got to move him into the outfield. I would agree. And if, and if you move him into the outfield, he's not worth a whole lot. Right. You can, get, you can get outfielders that hit at the same rate as Jonathan India fairly cheaply. Jonathan India's bat as an outfielder is not valuable. Right. Him at a second base is, in, is, is very is valuable, incredible. but he has shown that he cannot play that position. Thence, if you have to move him to the outfield, why not get rid of him when his asset is as high as it's going to be? When his value is as high as it's going to be as it is right now, why not get rid of him? I hope one of the other 29 teams agrees with you and thinks he can play second base because he they can't. agree with me, we're can't. screwed. I'm not saying he's a good defender. I'm not. Okay. But so I think there's other values to this team than, than just defense. But he's walking that's the thing. If he's not playing second base, he's not extending his contract with the Reds. So he's leaving for nothing. But that's th also three years down the line. You get, you get, you get 450 have, games. I'm not saying trade him right we now. Have, we have complete control. Complete control of India forever. So it's like I, the, the rush to trade him. So I don't know what you want. I don't know what people – you guys want another prospect to clog up the infield some more? I don't know. What, what, what do you trade India for? Starting pitching. Yeah. So he, he's so very valuable. Let me, okay. let me, you let can me actually move for a legitimate starter. Right let now. me clarify my point on what the Cincinnati Reds, what I think the Cincinnati Reds should do. Because I, I've said that the Reds need to go after some pitching, and uh, you know everyone pushes back saying like, one, they're not going to be trading pitching for at least a month because you got to maximize the return that you get. It you need people that are more desperate. So at the trade deadline, they'd be more desperate. Secondly. Starting pitching is going to cost a lot. So all these different things, all these mitigating circumstances. Let me just fully illustrate what the point is. The Cincinnati Reds are in a position to win the division. Truly, they, they have the best lineup out of the three teams that I think can win, can win this division. The Cubs, Brewers, Brewers can't hit for shit. 
the Cubs, streaky. Cincinnati Reds, young, beautiful lineup. That'll be good for years to come. They can't get outs whatsoever. You can't come back in every single game. So the Reds need to do something about the pitching. And I think sitting on your hands and just hoping that the pitching gets better is the wrong move as well. Now I say this, and I say this knowing that the Reds can't get rid of Novella Marte. They can't get rid of top prospects to help the team now. I think that there are other avenues that the Reds could make to make to bolster not just the starting rotation, but the pitching staff as a whole. Last night on Chatterbox Reds, they brought up the point, maybe you go get some longer relievers and you start doing these, you know, these quote-unquote used to be called a Johnny All staff, but what teams do is you, you take an opener and you, you just say, hey, bullpen, you need to get me three innings throughout the game. And maybe that's how you start winning ball games. Maybe, <laughs> people laugh at me when I keep saying this, but I'm going to keep saying, saying this till someone tells me that it's a dumb idea and explains me why it's a dumb idea. Why not go get an old fart like Rich Hill, who's 43 years old. You could get him probably for cash and a low-A prospect, and he can immediately make your team better for the rest of this year. I mean, he's got a mid-four ERA. Yeah, he's 43 years old. Yeah, he won't be on the team next year, but he gives you an opportunity to win ball games every fifth day. I think if the Reds are going to make a big splash and get one of the, the top starting pitchers, you know, the Lucas Giolitos of the world, I, Shane Bieber's probably out of the price range for this, but I think Jonathan India and Tyler Stevenson are the first to go over, over prospects. You, you have to trade someone with value to get someone with value. And I would much rather give up Jonathan India or even Tyler Stevenson. Well, Tyler Stevenson's a little different because you have to get a catcher back. But... I'd much rather give up Jonathan India than any prospect. And he's far more valuable than anyone else we have in the majors right now. And I'm not in the clubhouse every day. Obviously, everything that comes out of it says that Jonathan India is a great leader. I, I would make the point that he, if he was the leader on the team last year, he had the second worst season in, in Reds history. What, second time they've ever won, lost 100 games. And yeah, he might be leading the team now as they're, they're doing this now. I think there is undeniable value to a leader in the clubhouse, truly. Anyone that's been around a sports team can tell you that. You look up to the people that have been there. You look up to leaders, and that helps build a winning culture. I don't know what Jonathan India's value is for that as a leader. And the Reds do. Or the Reds have some idea. But as purely as a baseball player, purely as an athlete on the field, he doesn't have a whole lot of value on this team going forward because he can't play the infield. That is done. He, he's done. He can't play there. You got to move him, and soon. And as an outfielder, I just think he's an average hitter. So. Matt McLean played a month, basically a month and a half at AAA. If that holds true with Noel Marte coming up, he plays a month and a half, two months at AAA. He's knocking on the door. India has no spot on this team. I mean, he did none. You DH him against left-handed pitching. Hope he agrees to play somewhere else. I don't know. Elliot, you've been very quiet. Yeah, no, I think Reed made some very good points. I, am, I have never once said India is a good defenseman. Very bad. Very, very, very bad at defending the baseball. Very bad. However, if you get into this cycle where we're just trading guys, right? So let's say Novelvi Marte comes up. He struggles a little bit on the offensive side. 
He's not as good as India was. We traded him because he can play defense. This is exactly what we did. To, we, we traded everyone to get to. We traded Luis Castillo for Noel yeah, McMarty to be the third baseman. But we have India. And he stinks. We, what don't you get that he yeah, can't he play can't infield? Play I get actively, it. He actively hurts the team. Like him playing infield can't. Hurts do, the, the Reds it are hurts. worse with him at second base. Correct. It is, they are a worse team when he plays in the infield. That's not really a debatable fact. That is either. a fact. No, it is a fact. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so, so, him, so he can't play infield. I don't know where you put him. So I don't you know just kneecap his value. You cut his value drastically by moving him positions. And then you just pray it works out. I guess so. Because he can't play defense at second base, so it's going to work wherever else you put him? I guess so. Thank uh, you, Nick Kirby, for this great stat. Cubs manager David Ross has a higher OPS with the Reds than Jonathan India. <laughs> I mean, Jonathan, he's not even that good of a hitter anymore. I mean, I, I, Not right now. He's had a bad June. He's had a bad month. Well, here's the thing. What is he good I, at? I, I brought this up when he was a rookie. If you go to his baseball reference page, Jonathan India, his rookie year, going all throughout his college seasons as well, I'll, I'll, I'll pull it up just to get the, the, the full ramifications. When he hit 21 home runs as a rookie, one rookie of the year, his slugging percentage was 459. Throughout college... And throughout the minors, he never played an area besides his senior year at Florida where he had a higher slugging percentage. And we've seen that come down since. So that, by all cases, seems to be a fluke. The power numbers are not going to be there. And he doesn't hit for a high average. You're saying, you're saying Jonathan D hasn't had a successful career to this point. Is that what you're saying? I'm saying I'm that's, that's not, I mean, it's just not true. Okay. So OPS plus, which takes in all of the players at his position and averages out, gives him a number. If you hit a hundred, you are an average player. You're an average hitter at that position. His rookie year was rookie of the year. OPS plus 116. Good hitter. This year, 103. That means he's 3% better than league average. 3% better than league average. Last year was well below it, 91. I think this is the rookie of the year thing that is really holding a lot of people back because I, I do, uh, Elliot, I, I very much understand the premise of what you're trying to say here that in, in baseball where you develop guys, you trade guys, you build your farm system, you get guys to the major leagues, you cycle guys through, you build for success, you do whatever you can to win at the major league level you know, you watch the minor leagues night in and night out. You follow the stats. You look at the lineup cards. Who's playing where as they move up through single A and double A and triple A and where can they learn to play what position. And then they get to the major leagues. They win the rook of the year and everybody wants to trade them. I get, I get that because I think the, the premise of what you are trying to say is right. It's just a little tough right now when you're out of the position correct correct and if am i summarizing that correctly you're right no that's right i i I don't want to get into the cycle where we get these guys up we we they excel at their position and then we trade them for nothing because jonathan india has excelled i mean that's the issue tell me jonathan india has had a has had a bad career so far i would say over the last two years tell me tell me tell me jonathan india has had a bad career i'm not hoping for just good careers right average career doesn't mean that you've had a bad career but it doesn't mean you excelled we have the number 19 prospect in baseball being blocked by it. You're hoping for more than average. You are. 
And I agree. Once, is average. But here's the debate again. Once Noelvi gets here, whatever. Then we, I guess, we'll have a conversation. But he's not here yet. Nick Kirby makes a good point. You say you don't want to get in that cycle. That's almost exactly what I want to get into. Get these guys up. They play for four or five years. They're good, and you trade them, and you get new prospects. That's how small market teams win. All right. That was fun. Is Tracy Jones here? No. Tyler Stevenson, I want him gone. Trade him. Send him to the sun. Gone. Bad defender. I, I, Trade him? Yes. If he I can't th- catch, he doesn't have a future on the Reds. I, I just think that's silly, right? I mean, I just think it's silly. I think India is a very good player. We are lucky to have Jonathan India as a Cincinnati Red. I think Jonathan India was great for the last two years for the Reds. He, you know, grabbed an a absolutely horrid roster, made him kind of fun to watch, built a, a, you know, laid the groundwork for a nice culture for a winning team. Now, you know, the young guns that are actually going to produce are here. How old is Jonathan India? Can we get an age on him? Jonathan India is 26 years old. It's pretty young. No? Very young. So, I... I how old is Noel Marta? 21. 21? Yeah. Jonathan India's career war, which isn't the end-all, be-all of stats, but his career war is five. For reference... A second baseman in the division had a war over that last year. Okay. All right. How long have the Rays been doing this cycle? How long have the Guardians been doing this? To be completely honest. Guardians for a while, it feels like at least. Rays a little newer. The Rays have had a winning season every year since 2017. And those winning seasons have all been... 90 win seasons except for 2020 which was obviously a shortened season yeah 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 yeah. but in 2020 they were 40 and 20 so they were actually better than they were they actually have the exact same winning percentage that they have right now a lot of world series titles in there for those teams the need a lot of appearances which is what you're paying for neither team all right you put yourself in a position to win though and that's baseball for, for what it's worth, the only teams that have won in the past 10 years, we did this yesterday, are all are big, the mar- big spenders. Big, big so market, what does it matter? Big market teams, except for the Kansas City Royals, who did exactly what the Reds did. They brought all their prospects up at the exact same time. Okay. All right. I, I'm not like – I don't know. I go back and forth because I, I, I really struggle to want to trade a rookie of the year – on your side, Elliot, but I also realize that if this Marte guy is as good as everybody says he is going to be, then you're out of luck. Well, if Marte is not as good as we think he's going to be, we're partially screwed anyway. So, because Jonathan India playing second base, even if he is going to be our second baseman, is not good enough. That's a great point. That's a great point. Elliot? You're screwed if Jonathan India is your second baseman. He can't play that position anymore. He can't play it. If you're trying to compete for a World Series with Jonathan India at second base. He's a bad defender. Arguably the worst second baseman defender in the league, probably. But I like him. What can I say? I like him, too. I have the jersey. No, you don't. You're not allowed to come in here and say he you like Jonathan India. No, you're not. You don't like him. I want you to admit right now you hate him. I will not. I wear admit. the jersey. I have the jersey. It's burn just it. crazy that you, you can't put Give me the jersey, re- and I'll burn it for you. You can't put I'll who you right like next as to a Stevenson. player. I'll burn it right next to Stevenson. You got to take away who you sports. like as a fan and look at what's and, and best for the Reds. On TV. We got, we got prof- Tracy Jones here. I'll let the here. professional athletes talk. Tracy, Tom is not here this week, so you are stuck with the ham and eggers. <laughs> I thank That's you all for right, joining boys. us. 
And let me ask you before we start talking about baseball, isn't Taylor Swift concert tonight? Taylor Swift is this Friday. Yes. Now there's some levity in this program that we need. Taylor Swift <laughs> yeah. is this Friday, and I could not be looking forward to it more. And I know why. Because there's nothing better than after concert sex. You better you better get ready to go because there's you're gonna get very excited come Friday night after the concert. So I'm very happy for you. It's gonna be a uh, it's gonna be a a long night, Tracy. I think between everything going on in the city in uh, in Cincinnati and what a hundred thousand people gonna be downtown plus hundred thousand plus. Are you gonna be on your boat on your yacht outside the stadium down on the Ohio River? No, actually, I'm leaving to California, so I'll be in in sunny Southern California. Uh, I think I'm leaving from, I'm not sure yet. I'm not sure. But remember, Paul, when you go to get your girlfriend, your fiance, something to drink or eat, that's a great opportunity for you to get some phone numbers at that mm. Taylor Swift, because there will be a lot of wool there. You can guarantee that. Yeah. What do you, what do you think it is? 90% female? Do you think there's 10, do you think 10% of Paycor is male? I don't know if it'd be that high. I don't know, but you know what? She's actually really good. I saw her with, uh, who did I see her with? Tim McGraw and Faith Hill when she oh, was just starting when. up way back when. And she's she's very good. I, I like her music. I can't believe I'm going to say that I like her music, but I, I do. You're I do. a Swift. Tracy Jones is a Swifty. That's what we just yeah. uncovered here on Off the <laughs> Yes. Hey, okay. let, let me say this about, let me say this because you guys are talking about trading Jonathan India because you've got Marte. Guys, just to let you in on a little Teams want Marte. They don't want Jonathan India. I, I would rather have Marte because he's cheap. He's considered one of the top, what, 50 prospects in all of baseball? Yeah, higher than I've that. watched the guy play. He's really, really good. So then what are you – so where are you on India? You trade him? Get rid of him? You know, I have – and I can't – I'm saying a lot of things this morning that I can't believe I'm saying. I've kind of flip-flopped on this whole trade thing three or four times. Because this reminds me, and I can speak to this, because I was on a team like the Reds of, of 2023 back in 86, 87, and 88 when we finished in second place three straight times because we did not make a trade for a starting pitcher. So I'm kind of familiar with that. And, and here's, the, here's what I like to refer to as a slippery slope. You know, you make that trade and you get rid of a young player. You don't want it to be like a John Smoltz for Doyle Alexander. Do you remember that trade? Uh, Reed definitely does. I do not. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Reed, you remember that trade, one of the worst trades ever. So you got to just watch trading a really big prospect for a pitcher that I, I don't think teams are looking to get rid of their number one or the number two starter. Do you guys? I mean, I, I don't see a market. Well, that's that. That's the thing that I'm sitting here talking about, Tracy. Where you know, for the last three weeks, the the thing that outside of the winning streak, you just keep beating the dead horse of, well, you, you got to trade for starting pitching. Got to trade for starting pitching. Got to trade for the bullpen's good, the lineup's great. Got to trade for starting pitching. But when push comes to shove, who are you actually going to go out there and get? Everybody just wants the starting pitcher, but that's not how it works right now. You either wait till the deadline, you wait till, you know, Nick Kirby was pointing out, there hasn't been a starting pitcher traded in the league in the last two months. So at what point do you go out and you say, all right, we have to make this move and this move and this move, but you got to play the Brewers six times before the trade deadline. You got to play a couple other teams around the division. You also got to go out and play a really bad Nationals team here in a, in a week. Wow. There are opportunities for wins and a, 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 a really crucial point of your season where you are hoping that you have 
Nick Lodolo, Hunter Green, Andrew Abbott, and the rest, and then you're maybe filling in a fifth starter. Instead, now you're really filling in four spots, three spots, four spots of this rotation, but you're not going out there and getting anybody right now because that's not how it works. I mean, so what do you do? Do you have to go out and get three pitchers now? I mean, where's Hunter Green? How did he hurt his hip? He's 23 years old. Lodolo, I mean, what's his story? I mean, it looks like he's going to be out even longer. I thought he was coming back this month. Um, Ashcraft stinks. So, I mean, can we really just keep it real here just for a second? The Reds pitchers have given up 34 runs and four starts, last four starts. Listen, the position players love the position players. They're really, really good. Not Nobody as good has as any we problem were. with the lineup. Yeah. yeah, they're not as good as back when I was playing 86, 87, 88, but they're pretty good. But that pitching staff is, is just, it's not going to work. And then you talk about the bullpen. I mean, the bullpen needs help. There's just too many holes. It's a terrible division, but I would really watch trading one of those really good young players for a, a third or fourth type starter. I really would be guarded on that. So let's say that, you know, there was a, an article, I think it was in the Enquirer last week, talking about uh, Hunter Green and potentially Green and Lodolo being out until August, middle of August. And Tom has sat up here in this chair for so long and said that how often do we see these pitchers and these injuries linger and linger and linger to the point where, is it really August? Is it the middle of August? Is it closer to September by the time he's made his rehab starts and comes back? I mean, if that happens, then that's an entirely different outlook on everything going on right now. Yeah, I think you just, I mean, you kind of make my point. I think you just stand pat. I don't think you go out and make moves. I know the fans don't want that. I know the fans want to make a move. And even the players on the team, the position players, want ownership and the general manager to go out and get pitchers. They really do because they're saying, hey, we're doing our job. We're putting up runs. We just need a little help. So because I've been on those teams, the 86, 87, 88, we were always looking for that pitcher to be added. It never got added. And we ended up being set, finishing in second place three straight years. Now, here's what the Reds did do. And I know I'm going way back. And I, Reed probably knows this stuff because he's a baseball dork. But he, here's what the Reds did do is they – they traded in the offseason. They traded Kurt Stillwell and got Danny Jackson. You remember Danny Jackson, the part of the World Series team? And then also traded in the offseason Dave Parker for Jose Rio. So yeah. those are the two moves, two great starters. 1990, uh, they get in the World Series and win it. So that might be what the Reds are looking for. They just got to really watch trading those young players because those guys are really, really good. So you've been on here the last couple of weeks, Tracy, and talking about how you firmly believe that this is a Reds team in the way they're constructed right now and the way that the division is constructed right now that could win this division going away, potentially. I mean, you've said that here on the last few yes. shows. Do you still believe that with the way this rotation is going and, and injuries and if things linger? Or are you seeing things that make you think, oh, it's just a three-game losing streak, whatever. They won no. 12 in a row before that. No, you, you can't have your ace in Hunter Green. Lodolo, I thought, was coming back here in a couple of weeks. That doesn't look good. Ashcraft, he hasn't been the same. He, he's not even close to what he how he pitched last year. I mean, it is all about pitching, boys. Here's what you could do, and I'm just throwing out these things because I've seen them work for teams. You could have pitchers get a couple of guys that are, you know, out there. Maybe you get a guy that's a five-and-dive guy. You know what that is? A five-and-dive guy is someone that goes through the batting order twice and then it's out of the game and you turn it over the bullpen. 
The problem is the bullpen's not very good until you get to Diaz. So what you could do is go and get three guys out of the bullpen, three new guys to fill in some bullpen spots because there are. it's easier to get relief pitchers than it is starting pitchers. Would you not agree with that? So basically go out there and throw a bullpen game as much as they're throwing. It feels like almost the bullpen games are happening night in and night out now. <laughs> yeah, but you, you got to have that, that pitcher. Going back, there was a guy by the name of Scott Sanderson. He was great. Five innings. And then he'd be out of the game. They turned on the bullpen. You know, the the manager would go, hey, you know, how you feeling? Ah, I'm a little tired. Well, he had the, you know, he did well in five innings, and that's how you pick up a win. But you have to have that bullpen that's top notch. And I, I'm just throwing things. I mean, that's a desperate move too. I just don't think you can go out and get good starting pitching. I don't think you're out. They're not teams who are. There's a lot of teams that are still in it are not going to get rid of pitching. So do you like? where the Reds are at right now? Like, just in general, do you like where the Reds are at? I love where the Reds are at. This reminds me of back in the late 80s. This is the same makeup with a lot of good young players. They just need the pitching, and it can turn around. This draft that's coming up, I draft every single pitcher. Not best available. I draft the best available pitcher. I mean, big-time arms, guys that throw 100. You know, they're out there. Maybe there's some a little rough around the edges, but I draft pitching. I go after pitching all day long. I don't care about another shortstop. I don't care about a center fielder because I can always trade a position player, or, uh, a pitcher for a position ball player, but you can't do it the other way around. Is this, is the way that this division is constructed, because, you, you know, you look at the Brewers, you look at the Cubs, and you know, we're, we're sitting here talking, Tracy, about how much the Reds need to do and the moves they need to make. But you look at some of the contracts of these other teams and the Cubs and the Brewers and what they might do at the deadline. Are they going to, if the Cubs are just middling or if the Brewers are just middling come the deadline, are they going to make a push just because the division is so bad? Or is that a situation where everybody kind of sits? I, I think... I think the Cubs could make a move. I think the Brewers, I think every team could make a move. I'm looking at the division. I looked at it this morning. I'm going to say something that's stupid, but I've already said a few stupid things already on the <laughs> oh, show. Oh, come on, Tracy. But you have the Cardinals. You know, Cardinals have good players. They're the team that actually has good players, right? They're eight games out of first place. I would not be surprised if they make a run at it, at this division. I well, really, that's how feel like that's what they do? I do. I mean, they have a great organization, and I just feel that's a possibility. I just look at the team with the best personnel. My opinion is the Cardinals, but eight games, you got to hop over a lot of teams. Reed, you've been sitting over there. It looks like you're stewing on something. Do you have something for Tracy? Uh, no. I. You, you guys mentioned the, the the Cubs owner Tom Ricketts has already come out and said that they're probably going to add at the the deadline. I know a lot of people were talking about they might move. Uh, Marcus Stroman or, or Drew Smiley, it, it seems more and more that the Cubs are going to add on, especially with the way that they're playing in the past month. And then secondly, the Brewers might move away from Corbin Burns because Corbin Burns is sh surely out the door after this season because, uh, you know, they, they burned a bridge there before the season started. So the Brewers have a depreciating asset, so maybe they can get something back for them. It, the, the door is wide open. And like Tracy said, the Cardinals have two Hall of Famers on their team and Paul Goldschmidt and Nolan Arenado. They're only eight games back. That's no different than, say, the New York Yankees are like 12 games back in, in the AL East. So it's it, it really is open to anybody. But at the end of the day, I, I seriously 
can't fathom the idea of the Cincinnati Reds doing nothing. And that seems like it's what it's going to be because there's not a whole lot you can do for the next month because teams aren't going to want to trade around. But sitting around, sitting on your hands and just wishing that the, the pitching situation gets better seems pointless. And I don't, I don't think it's going to get any better. I, I can actually say it getting worse. I, I mean, here's – and I'm just throwing things out because I, I think about if I was general manager, what would I do? What would Tracy Jones do? And they've got to have some good arms down in the minors, right, boys? I mean, I, you guys dig into it a lot more than I do. But, I mean, look at look at uh, Abbott. I mean, look at how good Connor he Phil- is. Connor Phillips just got promoted to AAA. You know what? Even if it's even if it's in AA, I would push to, to see if these guys can do it. I mean, if you if you can pitch in AA, you could pitch in the big leagues, in my opinion. So, I mean, going out and really rolling the dice and get some good arms up here, even if it's in the bullpen, something because the pitching staff that they have now. Um, it's not going to cut it. And, and I don't know why they carry three catchers either. I, I'd, I'd add another pitcher. I, I wouldn't add three catchers on a roster. Would you? Well, the way Tyler Stevenson catches, it's pretty much two and a half catchers. <sighs> I mean, what, what, what happened to him behind the plate? He had a horrible game the other night. He was boxing balls. I mean, he's a good player. What happened? Well, it- the tough thing is that he's not doing anything particularly well right now. He's not defending well. He's not playing his position well. And he's also not hitting well enough to justify putting him back there. It's so funny if you look at what the excitement was about this Reds team before the year. It was Hunter Green, Nicola Dolo, Graham Ashcraft, Jonathan India, and Tyler Stevenson. Stevenson, yeah. forget about him. Graham Ashcraft, forget about him. Nicola Dolo's been hurt. And Jonathan India's been an okay player. He's had a bad last month, and now Hunter Green's hurt. So those those five players that I just named aren't helping the team. Jonathan India is a little bit, but yeah. I don't I don't know where you go from here, boys. It's 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 a division you can win. I I just I don't want to see him give up some star players. I want to see Marte. I I think Marte. My prediction: if there's one player that they would get rid of because there's a, d- a demand for a player that's talented, it's Marte. I think, you know, you talk about India, I want Marte. That, that's the guy. And I think one of the reasons, I know he was doing good in double A, but one of the reasons they brought him up was probably to make him even more appealing if you're in triple A. So I think that's the guy. But will the fans, will the fans tolerate the Reds doing nothing here? Will the players come out and say something if the, nothing is done? I mean, it, it's what I refer to as a slippery slope. So, you know, if if you sit there at the deadline and you say kind of like what we talked about yesterday with the Orioles from last year, where it felt like last year, if the Orioles really wanted to make a push. Now, the AL East was way better last year than the Central this year. So it's it's very it was it's different, but it's similar in the fact that the Orioles had promoted a lot of their prospects, Adley Rutschman, the rest. They basically were missing some major league talent. They had promoted the prospects, but they were missing some guys that maybe you go out and you acquire as a free agent, you make a trade for, whatever. And they sold some guys last year at, at the deadline. They they were, I guess, as you'd call it, they were sellers. Now look at where they are this year. Do you kind of write off the season? If, it, if, if we get to the deadline on July 31st and the Reds are two back and it looks like Green and Lodolo aren't coming back until – the end of August, early September, are you just you're you just sitting there? You're just sitting on your hands. You're saying we'll, I, get, I, them, we'll get them next year. Yeah, I, I, that would be the worst move. I think just sitting on your hands. 
unless you're going to spend a ton of money in the offseason going and getting that pitcher. I think now you throw these players out, it could be a desperate move to try to get a pitcher. Uh, I would – God, I'm flip-flopping like crazy. I'd probably be a seller at the deadline. I'd probably – look at what they've got for Castillo. Look at Tyler Malley. Look at what they got for him. Look at some of the trades that they've made. I mean, they've been great trades. You don't like to get rid of Castillo, but you've got tremendous players in return. So maybe you're looking at something like that. I, I just don't think with a team that's given up 34, a pitching staff, which has given up 34 runs in four games, I don't know how you can justify it. I mean, where, where are you going? Really? Your two top pitchers are out, and they might be out, you know, another two months. I, it just doesn't look good for the Reds. Position ball players, excellent. So, but as far as trading guys, you look at you know a guy like Jake Fraley, Tyler Stevenson, Jonathan India. You look at these guys versus the guys that you want to build around, which it seems like you're going to have a rock, excuse me, of an infield with you know the the guys that are coming up right now and the guys that are already here. Ellie, uh, Matt McLean, these guys you throw in a Marte. Seems like you're building something position wise, and then you just got to go out and, and, and fix the staff. Now, what about Joey Votto, too? Joey Votto skips yep. around, takes a team-friendly deal next year, the league minimum or whatever, the vet minimum, I should say. No, they got to move on. I'm a big yeah. fan of Joey Votto, big fan, but you got to move on from Joey Votto. I mean, he's had a great career. Uh, no, they're going to have a lot of money to spend next year, which I think is a big, big deal. But Castellini's going to have to have to open those purse strings and, and get yourself a, a number one. You well, really do. You, and, and I want to get your thoughts on that because we were talking about that right before he came on. I don't know if you heard, but we, we were talking about, you know, the Rays and the Guardians who have been consistently as successful yes. franchises yes. as there have been in baseball for a long time. You look at the you – know, but neither team has won a World Series. They've both been there. The Rays have been in the World Series. The Guardians have been in the World Series. Neither one has won. But they are, they are the, the foremost advocates of trade, develop, get to the major leagues, trade, develop, get to the major leagues. And they've been doing it for so long that it's shown consistent success. You get into the playoffs in baseball, anything can happen. You give yourself a chance. Is For these small market teams like the Reds, you're not going out and spending the money that the Dodgers are, or that the Yankees are, or right. the Red Sox are. You're not going out there and spending that kind of money. So you're sitting here with this lineup, and that's what you're doing here for the next couple of years with McLean and CES and Marte yeah. and Ellie? Yeah, here, here's the blueprint. You guys mentioned the, the, the Guardians and the Rays. I'll throw it to the Marlins, who I think have won a couple of World Series. Now you were going back. I mean, if the playoffs were to start tomorrow, the Marlins are in the playoffs. But what they do is they develop the players. They develop you know, they've got players that are right there like the Reds have, and then they go and add a couple more players, whether it's a pitcher, maybe it's a catcher, and that's how they won it the last two times that they won the World Series. So I like that formula, and being a small market, I think that's what the Reds have to do, something like that, because they're not going to compete every year. It's just it's not going to happen. They don't have but, a payroll. Yeah, and, and they've shown now that there is – you know, these teams that, you know, you look in, in the development, I think the Marlins now, it's a great example looking at what they've done down there, at least this year. Yeah. Look at, look at what the yeah. Marlins are doing in the East. And everybody thought that was going to be the Mets. Everybody thought that the Mets was, you know, they went out and they spent hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars. And then now look at where they are. Isn't it amazing how stupid some of these owners are at spending 
the money. If they ran their business like they ran their ball clubs, they would be bankrupt. I, I think the payroll for for the Mets is three hundred and fifty million. Is it something like that? Yeah. I mean, it's just been a it's been a complete disaster. They're four or five games under five hundred last last time I checked. But it's just you know, just because you go out and spend money, doesn't doesn't mean you're going to win a championship. It's all about, and we talked about this going back a couple months ago with Tom. It's all about player development, and it's all about scouts. You've got to have the scouts that recognize talent. Look at Dela Cruz. Dela Cruz signed for sixty-five thousand dollars, right? Barrero, out of Cuba, I think got five million. I mean, there's quite a difference there, right? Some scouts saw him. Dela Cruz is my guy. Barrero, some scout said. And he's not my guy, right? So there's sure. quite a different scout. Tracy, anything else here? We're we're getting close here to the end. Anything else before? Uh, well, we I think just please. What you need to do, you, Bobby, you need to get you. Um, someone, one of the managers pointed at me like that. I pointed at a manager like that. And he grabbed my finger. We almost got into oh. it. I was. Yeah, Yikes. you can Lando. figure out the what name. was your yeah. Well, who who was the manager? Come on, you can't. Yeah, come nah, on, nah, nah. He, okay. He's a real. He's. Uh, I don't want to talk about that. Okay. I want to talk right, about. Sweet. I want to talk about you. You need to okay. get your rest for Friday night. Oh, trust you me. You know that's gonna that's gonna be a big night for you. Not not so much during the concert, although you will be getting some phone numbers. It's after the concert. After concert sex is the best. Ask Casey. Tracy, Paul recently found out he could eat seafood. I think he should have a couple oysters. You know, those are you know, those are aphrodisiac. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Good one. Good one, Reed. Right on, Reed. Thanks. Right on, Reed. <laughs> uh, also, Tracy, before we let you go, I just got to fact check you on one thing. You said John Smoltz for Doyle Alexander is the worst trade of all time. I would say Tracy Jones and Pat Basillo for Jeff Reed, Randy St. Clair, and Herm Winningham was the worst trade of all time. For the rest. For the rest. Yeah, oh, yeah. The giant, people, the Expos got the better end of that one. Oh, without a doubt. I still run into people. I ran into someone at Kroger the other day, and he goes, I cannot believe the Reds traded you for those three guys. Mm. That was the worst trade the Reds have ever made. Uh, that just happened to me the other day. Everybody talks about it still. I bet. I, I, can't, I can't go out in public without people. They come up to me and they talk, just like you, Reed. They yeah, say, absolutely. Uh, they come up to all of us and they say, hey, you – you have that Tracy Jones guy on the show. He, all he does is, you know. I can't believe just, they traded him. I can't. For I just can't believe they got rid of him. Randy St. Set Claire. the whole city back, really. Herb I mean, Winningham. Yeah. Tracy. Yeah, they won the, they, <laughs> they won the World Series the next year, boys. So. Yeah. Well, well fluke. Set, yeah. Also, Tracy, you, you flip-flopped on your stance on whether or not what the Reds should do at the trade deadline like three or four times. Are you sure that your career as a politician isn't – you don't have a future How's in that politics? How's that going with the HOA? Yeah. <laughs> I dropped out. I, I, yeah, they took the first three, and I was like fifth on the ballot. So I, I, I don't even get a chance to run. They need so you on the RNC. Yeah. yeah that, so that tells you how much I'm liked in this building. They need you on the RNC stage. You, DT47, um, Chris Christie. Uh, Chris who else Christie. is running? Who else is running? Yeah. <laughs> Mike Pence. Sure, throw his name. Ron in the DeSantis. Hat. Yeah. It's wide open. Why not Tracy Jones? Uh, I could do better than Biden. That I do know. 
Damn right. Listen, boys, I got to run. You know what I'm doing today? I'm doing what are you doing the today? ham and eggers thing. I'm painting and hanging blinds. Why aren't you having somebody do that for you? Because I'm a cheap bastard. Fair. Do you need Casey yeah. and I to come do that for you? Not unless you want to do it for free. Yeah. We know our worth. Ah. Yeah. All, All right, right, boys. I'll, I'll talk to you on Thursday. See you Thursday, Tracy. Thanks for coming All on. Right. See you, boys. All right. Uh, fellas, I'll be honest. This water bottle has passed through me. I Do we have a cherry on top? Mm. I don't know if we have a cherry on top. No, we do not. Thank you, UDF. Uh, drink <laughs> Pawnee water. Get your coffee from UDF, bet with Betfred, and get your technology solutions from Encore. We have three more days uh, without Tom this week. We have tomorrow, Thursday, Friday. We have to, uh, Nick Kirby is going to be on tomorrow. So this will just be an extension of our conversation today. Nick Let's will be go. on tomorrow. Elliot, are you okay? No. It's like okay. We'll talk through it with Nick tomorrow. We'll talk through it with Nick tomorrow. Nick will be on tomorrow. Uh, Thursday, Tracy will be back on. We have uh, Rick Broering will be on Friday. So we're going to talk Cincinnati sports with Rick. I, Rick has been in the chat today. So Rick will be on Friday. Um, I'm trying to think if I, uh, Charlie came on today. So we're, we're still working maybe on some more people um, for the rest of the week. But that's the schedule. Thank you all for listening today. And we will see you tomorrow, 10A, with Off the Branch. Thanks, everybody. Enjoy your Wednesday. Uh, Tuesday. Enjoy your Tuesday. See you Wednesday.